Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Countdown to Green. Center with our Michelin countdown to green for round two of the IMSA Pro Series on iRacing for 2020. Lovely to have your company on RS2 at IMSA Radio, at IMSA Radio if you want to get in touch with us here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Center uh, all around the world as well, of course, with sound and vision on radio-show.co.uk plus the iRacing YouTube page on Twitch as well plenty of places to watch and to listen as for super saturday at sebring in march i'm joined by two very very well-known voices to rsl and to the iRacing and sim racing communities uh, nick damon first of all good evening nick uh, right in the center of the carbon fiber triangle that's your part of the haggerty global broadcast center good evening Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Yep, I am literally in the Stones Throw or a short walk of, uh, of the Red Bull factory, which I go past regularly on my on my uh, daily exercise I'm allowed to have. And so far, I guarantee they are still on holiday. Uh, absolutely stunning entry list that we've got here, Nick. Mm. Um, we'll go through it in some detail in a moment. We've got some detail changes uh, as well. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll have the Porsche keys to the race as well. Uh, let's bring in Ben Constant-Juris, another one of our voices this evening here was with us at Sebring 2. Welcome to the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, Ben. Hello um, to you. We'll go through it in some detail above. We've got some detail uh, as Hello, well. Ben. Can you hear us? Hello, Ben. Well, not sure why we're not getting Ben uh, at the moment. <laughs> Uh, I know why we're not getting Ben, because he's watching on a different feed, so he's going to have to turn that down, otherwise we're not going to uh, get Ben. Uh, So we'll get Ben in in a moment or two. Uh, Let's go through what we're going to see tonight. Uh, A little bit of a delay on the qualifying. Practice is going on at the moment, and Nick, you're watching some times coming in as well. Yeah, and the... uh... It's interesting, we started off with Richard Westbrook leading the way for the first uh, 20 minutes or so. It's now a session, there's 28 minutes to go. And leading at the moment is the 47 car of Rodrigo Fluca, the um, the Peruvian um, precision performance motorsports racer with a Ford. Sebastian Prio, also in a Ford, is currently second. And the winner of Super Sebring, Bruno Spengler, running third. So it's uh, they're getting the, the lap times down now. Best lap is a 118.6. And there are, just to just, just have a quick shift it down, there are currently 22 cars covered by the first second, John. Uh, which gives us the perfect opportunity then to talk about some of the drivers. First of all, a couple of changes to the original uh, entry list uh, that came out earlier this week. We have got the full 50 because 80 drivers... Um, uh, 80 drivers applied for the 50 spots uh, earlier on 
in the week. Uh, we have lost Jonathan Bomarito, who would have been driving the Ford for Mazda Motorsport Multimatic Connection there. Uh, he is replaced by number six, Blake Mount, for performance tech in a Porsche. Uh, Blake normally applying his trade in the prototype challenge in IMSA. We've also lost, sadly, uh, Jack Hawksworth, uh, who should have been driving the 14 in Vassa Sullivan BMW. He has been replaced by Corey Lewis. Now, Corey is driving for Paul Miller Racing, not his usual Lamborghini. That's not available, of course, here, but he has got his proper number. It is the number 48. I reckon, uh, Nick, that we have 19 BMWs, 6 Ferraris, 13 Fords, and 12 Porsches uh, in the field, which is a bit of a difference because I think we had 20 BMWs and 20 Porsches at Sebring, if memory serves. Yeah, we've picked up a a few more Ferraris, still um, a little bit low in the overall count, and a lot more Fords. I think, um, if you remember from Sebring, uh, the Fords were quick but very unlucky. Both um, uh, Sebastian Prio and Richard Westbrook um, got taken out in a couple of accidents with a, the rogue Ferrari uh, when they were running particularly well. So I think people have the chance, obviously, for the, for the non-affiliated drivers is to get a chance to try all the four models um, within iRacing, and there are four GTE cars available within the game. And this is it. So it gives them an absolute chance for the last last few weeks to see which one they're allowed to choose suits them best. And I think they found that perhaps a Ford is what you're looking for. I remember no one no one has ever said the BMW is the fastest, but it has the reputation that it's the easiest to drive and therefore you can put those consistent laps in. So perhaps you know, they've had a chance to work on setups and we know we have them um, professional engineers working on setups. They've managed to perhaps calm down some of the other cars and get those consistent lap times out of them, John. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pleased to see we've got more Fords this week. Uh, ben and yourself both saying that you felt that Fords would look good. They didn't have a lot of luck in the opening laps at Sebring, of course. No, and th- yeah, there was a kind of a BMW steamroller from from uh, Spengler and Katzberg, um, and and yeah, basically because they'd had they done they set up right, they got everything right, and they got away and they got clear. And apart from that little trip up that uh, Katzberg did, which put Spengler into the lead, um, they had a very clear run, and it was a quite a simple strategy as well. Just go as far as you could in the first set of fuel, stop, no tyres, get to the end. And, and they managed to make it, execute that race perfectly with a huge amount of backing from the technical team. But the Fords look quick, and I think also the Porsches, you know, they, they are known as being quick as well, but difficult to drive. They've kind of picked up the, the, a lot more works drivers. It's a very, very, very strong team now from the Porsches. You know, you've got 911, 912, 913, which is Nick Tandy, Lawrence Van Tor, and Ian Can Guven, who is the highest-rated iRacer in this event, John? Uh, over 7,000 uh, he mm. has got. That is, according to the guys at uh, iRacing themselves, that effectively is alien level. Yes. I mean, it, the, the good, anything over 4,000 is good. Um, we have Shane Van Ginsburg with a 5795. Who? Shane Van Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Oh, right. Don't be he John Watson on us. Get his this right. <laughs> Shane Van Gisbergen. I should do it because Shane and I have actually had several conversations on uh, on um, YouTube chats because he watches. He's a big RC fan, and he's been. Uh, we've had conversations whilst he's been watching the, the Neo race from the shed, which should have been last week, as so many things should have been. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, 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 this, just to um, just explain what an I rating is. That's a good idea. You take part in a race, and the race has a strength. So everyone has a rating. When you, when you first 
pass your rookie test, you get a rating of about 1,500. And then it goes up and down based on how well you do relative to the people in the race with you. So if you're racing against a bunch of superstars and you come eighth, you may still get an increase of 100 points. If you're racing against a bunch of newbies and you come eighth, you may lose 100 points. And the having a high score just shows you've been you've done a lot of races and you're consistently really good and you consistently finish near the front um yes yeah, and to get a, a figure like 7878 is you know as you say alien like that means he's winning probably one in three races and and that's hard to do because yeah there's a lot of luck gets thrown at you in a, in a virtual race and it does in a real race but it is a thing you work on over a number of years john right uh we didn't have nick tandy last time we talked about porsche driver there I can uh, govern uh, Nick Tandy and Lawrence Vantour. Nick uh, was going to do it. He told us on Midweek Motorsport last night, last time, and then he, he didn't, and then he could have. Uh, he's back in. Uh, amazing that um, about five years ago, he first when he first got into iRacing, he was using it to learn the tracks for his IMSA, uh, his IMSA debut. Um Anybody that knows anything about Tandy knows he didn't come up through a... Uh, Nick didn't come up, Nick Damon, through a <laughs> regular way of, of racing. Uh, it's not karting and Formula Ford and and road tracks here in the the UK and Europe. Notice there's little short ovals, the uh, the stock cars and the banger racing. And uh, yeah, there's little tiny stadiums like the uh, the old Speedway stadiums. And he was a master of the oval, which is which is quite rare in, in Europe and certainly the UK. And, and I understand his, his eye rating is much higher for oval racing because eye, eye racing allows you to do dirt oval, dirt track, tarmac track, which we all know best, rallycross and um, NASCAR style ovals as well. So it's a, a huge race. And he obviously has always said that in many ways his first love is oval racing. And, and, and what he wants to do most of all is to uh, take part in the Daytona 500. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great performance. But, yeah, he's up against it. I'm, I'm looking just in, you know, in, in practice, in qualifying, in practice at the moment. It's still um, Rodrigo who's leading. And I'm trying to see where his times are in practice for the 911. And yeah, he's number one two. So, so he's, he's, he's basically he's one nineteen two. So he's about six tenths off the absolute fastest. But it's only practice. So they may be looking at uh, just running sensible laps. Uh, yeah, let me go back to Nick Tandy. Uh, his road racing rating for iRacing is thirty two eighty nine. It's not bad. Uh, his oval racing is nearly four thousand thirty nine ninety nine. Out of two hundred ninety one starts on the oval, he's won eighty seven races. Uh, 30% win ratio. He's got a 65% top five finishing ratio on uh, on the ovals. So that's pretty impressive uh, from Tandy. And I'm, I'm sure he's working towards getting uh, an idea of, of uh, maybe getting an invitation to the uh, the Pro Series of the NASCAR side of things. Uh, let's pick up a, a couple of other drivers. Matthias Leist for JDC Miller Motorsport in a Ford. We've got we should say, Nick, we've got the BMW triplets back who were first, second and third in Bruno Spengler, Nicky Katzberg and Jesse Cron, of course. And and they I mean, they've marked themselves out as the cars to beat, haven't they? Well, yes, with the preparation. I mean, it is a case that you would be. But of course, then there's the, the fourth uh, BMW in there, who is Robbie Foley, of course, in the Turner Motorsport car, which stuck it on pole, but had a disastrous first lap in Sebring. And, then, and he would have been a contender without that. So it was very much a... A BMW benefit. Whilst you mentioned we had the top three, the, per- the only person who finished in the top 10 last time out who's not here was fourth place finisher Sage Caram. So he's the only person not in the field this time round. 
he was the best placed Porsche as well, if memory serves. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, uh, that is a bit of a blow for Porsche hopes. Um, let's talk about uh, Ferrari, underrepresented with just six cars, but led. Uh, by a couple of decent drivers in the real world. How will they translate? That's the question. You've got the stats uh, on the Ferrari drivers. Jeff Siegel um, is the Scuderia Corsa uh, driver from WeatherTech Racing. So effectively that car in its normal livery and with its normal number, the 69. Tony Vlander and Alessandro uh, Balzan, 63 and 64. Also Ferrari numbers as well. Scuderia Corsa drivers. What about the three Ferrari drivers then? Well, we've also got so uh, Corey Ferguson and Hal Barbosa as well running wow, in yeah. Ferrari. Jalbos, I'm sure that's neither or pronunciation, but we'll go with Jal. Um, but yeah, I think it's seen Tony Verlander and Alexandra Balzan. It's really exciting, and also entered under the Scuderia Corsa, which means we have Scuderia Corsa entry. Therefore, this is a real endurance it race. It is indeed a real endurance race. I promised you that we would have uh, in the Haggerty Insurance Global Broadcast Centre. Uh, Ben Constant Juros. Let's take a look uh, with 30 minutes to go in our Michelin countdown to green, to the green flag. Let's take a look at the Porsche keys to the race as we uh, bring in uh, as we bring in uh, Ben Constant Juros. Ben, thank you for joining us uh, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre uh, and uh, apologies for one or two little technical issues. We're in practice as well, effectively still here, but we've got the, the contact made now. What we found out, if we found out anything and we did actually find out quite a lot at Sebring I think and, and this is reflected in the Porsche keys to the race Ben you simply can't afford any damage if you're going to be there at the end no absolutely good evening everyone uh, damage in iRacing punishes you a huge amount uh, you are able to continue to rotate around the circuit if you pick up a little bit of damage but it will affect the aero the way that the car feels it will of course affect the way that the tyres wear as well um, and you it, it, you do tend to lose a lot of time carrying a little bit of damage. Uh, you can go into the pits and get it fixed, uh, but that will cost you probably a lap, a lap and a half around this uh, WeatherTech Laguna Seca circuit. So uh, keeping out of trouble, especially in those early laps when the track will be so congested, uh, will be so key to just settling down into a rhythm. Uh, secondly, consistency. Pace is good um, and... Uh, pace is good, Nick, but you've got to have consistent pace. No good being good for one lap and then throwing it off. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Ben's absolutely right. The first two or three laps are absolutely key in iRacing because they start with cold tyres. I mean, they will get a, a, a rolling start, so they won't be freezing cold. But there's a huge drop-off effect, or, or perhaps I should say increase in performance to tyres over the first two or three laps. So you've got to be especially careful. You'll be careful of people who are all around you uh, and because it's not... You know, a you can get tipped off, but that small amount of damage—it's it's often imperceptible. You th- I've, I've, I've been racing, and I had a minor incident. And you think, oh, it was nothing, but you just can't do the lap times. That it feels the car feels the same, but it's just a second slower, and there's nothing you can do. So you have to keep clean, and then once you've kept clean, you've got to run absolutely to time. It's like any endurance race. You've got to pick a time you're comfortable with. And if you're not in direct competition with someone else, run those laps again and again and again and again. And of course, very importantly, you've got to look at measuring yourself towards the two key consumables, which is fuel and tyres. And the tyres, Ben. Yes. Absolutely critical. The top 10 at Sebring didn't change tyres. There will have to be a fuel stop and we'll come to that in a moment. 
not changing ties at Sebring was an option that worked for the top 10. People who started further down, they used more of the Michelin rubber. They took more out of their tyres, so they felt they had to change. Qualifying will be important here, and that comes up uh, in around about 15 minutes. I don't think... I don't think you'll be able to do the full race on two on a single set of tyres here. This place just doesn't have the grip. The car slides around more. Therefore, it's all uh, uh, it's all about getting to your pit stop and then taking it from there. Yeah, will we see people trying to preserve their tyres and go to the end of the race? As I say, it worked. It was a good strategy in Sebring, but I'm not quite sure it'll work here. And um, we, we we did see kind of this pace the slow pace from some of the leading drivers uh okay the top three bmws were able to do it from the front of the field but there were other drivers that you would expect to have been lapping faster at sebring and they weren't trying to make sure they could get decent amount of tires to the end of the race the fact was with sebring we we didn't have the bmws weren't fighting each other katzberg and spengler were out controlling the field very much so and and ended the race 40 seconds ahead of the the nearest uh brand so uh, they didn't get pushed. If somebody can get out there and push them, and I think there are a couple of people in our field that can do that, then we will see them having to push harder, uh, and that will change uh, the way that you are able to manage your tyres. It's still Rodrigo Fluca uh, at the head of the field for Ford, then Bruno Spengler, then Seb Prior, Richard Westbrook, uh, John Edwards, BMWs, and Fords at the, uh, well, multiple uh, through the top ten. Best of the Porsches is... Uh, uh, Ayakan Naguven in the 913 in ninth position. Yes, Kron makes up the uh, makes up the top ten. Uh, let's continue with our portion keys to the race. Playing the fuel game, Nick. Um, have to have fuel here. But the last two we can kind of put together because we've got something new here. A competition yellow. Uh, it, it will be thrown. We don't know when. Uh, it's strategy, you might have worked it out, but you're going to have to, you're going to absolutely uh, roll with the punches here and be able to react to what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, theoretically, you have a very, very wide uh, fuel window from probably, you know, you can stop for about 40 minutes up until, you know, 75 minutes. And it's obviously you, you run that towards the tyres and everything else. Uh, but of course, with the, the competition yellow coming in, and I, it, we've no idea where it's going to be thrown Will it be a case of being thrown right on the edge of the fuel window so you can take fuel then but have to run a uh, you know a conserving fuel map to get to the end? Or will it, it will it just, you know, put it towards the back so there's a chance for a sprint? We don't know where it's gonna be where it's going to be uh, thrown, but I suppose the teams really have to work on the concept that they are running 90 minutes straight through, yeah. but have that ability to react instantaneously in their heads. No, each lap, it's like each lap ticks off. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. Yes, we're in the competition yellow window for tyres, or yes, we're in the competition yellow tar- window for fuel. Um, and I'm sure the teams backed by professional um, engineers will have worked this out at what the areas those, those cutoffs are. Uh, so that's how Porsche case the race. We'll come back to those in a, a little while uh, who are who are the favorites well at the moment rodrigo fluke with a 1195 uh, has got round about a third of a tenth of a second on the field uh, then it's oh the improvement uh Ian chan guven has just moved up to uh, third position and comes straight into the pits merkel bortolotti is the uh, number triple eight in fourth position. So that's Ford, BMW, Porsche and Ford in the top four separated by, if you like, just on 
seven, uh, sorry, half a tenth of a second. Uh, adding Kenton Cook, who's changed, I think, Nick, from a Porsche uh, when we saw him last. That was the bright pink Porsche, the number 80 car, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you see where he's gone with the, um, what's the word for it? Vibrant colour scheme of his wheels. Um, but yeah, he said, I said this, this chance of these unattached drivers who aren't having to uh, replicate what they drive in real life. It's a real chance for them to uh, to actually uh, have a look and set, test the cars and decide which one's best for each track. So as we go along the series, we go around the various circuits in the States, uh, we may see you know, cars better suited for better tracks. And the people who are independent can choose and they can just hop and change. Don't forget, we've got a new uh, a new feature for you on radio-show.co.uk as well as sound and vision. We've now got live timing as well. It's all on the page. Go to uh, radio-show.co.uk. Uh, there's a lovely, lovely still picture of the Ferrari climbing up the Rahal straight towards the top of the corkscrew uh, at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. And... Uh, on that page, that linked to the page, it's got everything that you will need. And uh, we will have uh, an audio as well as a video archive as well at the end of the race. Right about 10 minutes to go before we get into race mode. Gentlemen, this is a short, tight and for the most part twisty track. There's a long run from the final corner to the finish line, which has caused problems in real life in the past with people coming together. But when you look down on WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, it it looks like it's going to be difficult to pass. And and frankly, Ben, it it really rather is. Yeah, no real large braking zones. And the one that is going into the corkscrew, you, you have to be so brave because you have that rise over the crest. And, and actually, as you get to the rise, you want to begin to start turning in as well. So it's one of those weird places where there isn't that kind of straight line braking zone where you can get alongside somebody uh, and and do a stop pass. One place you could do it, I suppose, uh, through the last turn, get yourself enough alongside and a block pass is, is would work there. So you can then sprint down the main straight towards the finishing line. And, and that could be an interesting way to, to, to get through the traffic. What we are going to see is a lot of traffic. The, the, the pace at the front is very close. I mean, you've got 10 drivers now within a tenth of a second of each other at the top, uh, but the field spread goes down to, well, uh, Patrick Long, 3.6 seconds back in 47th position. And I think we're supposed to have a few more than 47 cars. So there's a few that have yet to actually come out and practice. Let's see if we can pick out any of the big names that hasn't been in there. Harry Tinknell just improved to 19th position. Uh, Nick Tandy was saying that he was hoping he could get in the top half of the field at, at the moment. Uh, where is Tandy? Well, he's there. He's 15th position. It's this incredibly tight, gentlemen, here in our Michelin countdown to green. 20 minutes to the green flag of the race because qualifying, which should have been happening now, will be pushed back about 15 minutes. I reckon, uh, Nick Dearman, that we've got, well, let's let's call it 11 cars within a tenth. John Edwards is 0.117 away from the best time at the moment. And as far as a second's concerned, we go all the way down to Shane van Giesbergen uh, in the 97. Uh, that's the BMW M8 GTE in 25th position. So half the field, Nick, within a second round a two and a quarter, 11 corner track. Yeah, this is this is fantastic news. I mean, it's much, much tighter than Sebring. And more importantly, there's a bigger spread of, of chassis as well towards the top. Um, it is going to be 
hectic uh, and there is going to be a lot of cars on the same part of the track because you think about this it's the same number of cars in effectively generously two-thirds of the track space there was for Sebring without those wide open runways to overtake on and people are going to get impatient if they feel that people are getting away so you know is it is it a case where we may see people making more the stops in Sebring were pretty much all together at the top but are people going to think about stopping out of sequence to try and gain track position you know, with the, that terrible word, the undercut? Because um, that is where it kind of comes more into play. Because when you have the problem with the traffic, you can play with that. And, of course, they are going to be lapping much quicker. And getting out of the way isn't the easiest thing to do here. It's, no. it's a difficult track. Now, and what we haven't talked about, for those of the, you that are new joining us here on the Michelin Countdown to Green, for what is effectively the second event, the second round of the... Uh, uh, the second round of the uh, IMSA Pro Invitational uh, on iRacing. Um, uh, is that uh, effectively the track was uh, effectively the track was clean, green at the start of the practice session that has now six and a half minutes to go. It will evolve, Ben, as the practice, the qualifying, and then subsequently the race actually happens. And in timing, we're not going to clean the track effectively. We haven't got the virtual sweepers out in between these sessions. So the racing line will actually get more and more defined. Yes, exactly. So um, the weather is dynamic and realistic to what it is at the moment over there in California. So partly cloudy, 22 degrees centigrade. Track is 37 degrees centigrade. Quite a wind, 20 kilometers an hour. Um, And the practice began with a moderate usage. So 43 percent rubbered in. Uh, I would have thought after now one hour and 10 minutes, we're probably absolutely full on. Oh, there's the uh, weather conditions for you on our on that's our graphic. That's because Drew's listening in at 98 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that is about, that's what, mid 30s on the centigrade uh, scale as the track temperature goes. No wind to talk. Uh, partly cloudy. That's interesting. Uh, we're not expecting any rain here. About a couple of three miles the Laguna Circa Circuit uh, at WeatherTech Raceway here from the coast at uh, at Monterey. So a little bit, often do get in the afternoon, a little bit of cloud blowing up, a little bit of temperature inversion, bit of fog in the early morning. We've certainly seen that happen in reality. So that will be a part of, certainly a part of what is Uh, going to develop in the next hour and a half or so. Right, guys, we've got four minutes left before we head into race mode as the Michelin Countdown to Green continues with qualifying still to come. Head on block here, gentlemen. Ben Constantjuris, BMW, dominated uh, with Porsche in fairness. They split the top 10, 5 and 5 at Sebring on Super Saturday, but the BMWs did have the top three. Is it BMW again this weekend? It doesn't look like it. It looks like certainly Ford are, are up there in practice at the moment. And, and Porsche have, I know, been making much more of an effort uh, to get their drivers up to speed, to get the cars set up properly. Um, and uh, they were a little un, uh, a little bit miffed, in fact, that they were beaten so fairly and squarely by BMW. BMW made a huge effort entering that Super Saturday at Sebring. They got works, real-life 
BMW mechanics. They Jens Marquardt actually phoned and congratulated Bruno Spengler and Nicky Katzberg at, because they did such a great effort uh, and dominated proceedings. Porsche did not like that, and I'm sure we're going to see them much more competitive. But Ford are looking great right now. They had a really good pre-season test, a uh, pre-season test, uh, pre-session test, I should say. Uh, just a few moments ago, I, I jumped on uh, on the back end of iRacing and found Sebastian Prio hosting a session uh, with Richard Westbrook, which uh, Westbrook is P2 right now, and uh, Sebastian Prio, uh, the best C license driver uh, in 10th position. So they've all been working together. BMW actually had a sim uh, racer working with them on their pre-session, uh, a guy called Alexander Voss, um, who is actually a Williams eSports driver, but obviously BMW using him to help everyone get set up. And uh, actually, one person we haven't mentioned is Sage Karam, an incredibly yeah, yeah. talented iRacer. Uh-huh. Um, and Sage, uh, at the moment, doesn't seem to feature in practice. No, it he's looks not as in though this he's race. having connection issues. No, he's not in the race. He's not He's not entered for this race, uh, Ben. He, he, uh, he, he's not entered in this one. Not everybody is doing it. Richard Westbrook has had a great win here uh, in the past, uh, in, in real life, when he had to use the eco part of the EcoBoost engine and the Ford GT, hence the pink fluffy slippers uh, jokes that we always make about him uh, in the real world. He can be light of foot when required. And Nick Damon, you've got 30 seconds uh, to say if that's going to be something that will play out today. Fuel saving is going to be part of the strategy. I think so. And I think interestingly, you, you kind of both zoomed in the person who I think is my favourite going in, which is Richard Westbrook. I think he's got a huge amount to prove after being completely unceremoniously taken out of the race in Sebring by our errant Ferrari driver. Uh, the other driver who's obviously looking uh, particularly good is our top-rated iRacing driver, Iron Chan um, Guiven. And I think you could watch those Thanks, two. Matt. But then can you bet against Bruno Spengler? Because who knows what their race pace and is going to be like because this is just practice and it all changes once it gets for real. Snake Damon and Ben Constanturis with me, John Hindorf, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre as we're getting ready to go racing. It's the second round, effectively, of the IMSA iRacing Pro Invitational. And it's live on IMSA TV and IMSA Radio. Racing on America's classic circuits. This is IMSA Radio. Well, welcome along to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, the second event for the IMSA iRacing Pro Series uh, here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Haggerty Insurance for people who love cars. Uh, Michelin Countdown to Green continues with a slight change to what we'd expected uh, here for the racing schedule today. We'd expect it to be able to give you a grid right now. We've just finished practice. Rodrigo Fluke, top of the charts in the Ford GT. We're just off the coast at Monterey, California. The left coast is the best course, is what people around here say. This is a quality circuit. It has all kinds of uh, all kinds of turns, all kinds of corners in just two and a quarter miles. The Andretti hairpin, remember, used to just go left there and then link up at about uh, turn five. Down through the infield, through the Laguna Seca, through the dry lake bed itself. Then you're climbing all the way from five through the very tricky turn six 
very easy to go off wide on the exit of turn six on the right hand side the corkscrew is turn eight and eight eight at the end of the rear hull straight then you're plunging downhill through rainy curve and through the right hander at 10 which is much quicker than it looks before you're hard on the middle pedal to slow yourself down for the final left hand corner onto the start finish straight and if we get to a drag race at the end of this race that could be very interesting indeed because there's a pretty long run from the final corner uh, through to the start finish line which is right at the walkover bridge about three quarters of the way up pit lane. Joining me in the Haggerty Insurance Global Broadcast Centre from the middle of the carbon fibre triangle is Nick Damon and from the Alps in France is Ben Constantinus. We're bringing the team together uh, whilst practising, of course, social distancing and uh, uh, staying at home at the moment. The new IMSA hashtag is human race, the most important race of all at the moment. 15 minutes of qualifying is underway. There's already uh, just 13 and a half going. Gentlemen, cars are on the track and we get to see some of the fancy new pace jobs for the first time. BMW, Nick Damon, has been dominant. Philippe Eng in the uh, red and white car plunging down the hill there. He's in the BMW team uh, Austria car. We've got a team red and a team black for BMW this weekend, Nick. Yeah, they've, they've certainly thrown out the, uh, the the big guns for this case. Philip Eng, of course, making a name for himself in all sorts of esports. I think he won the one of the Formula One races, didn't he, early? Uh, well, they're a bit bash and crash, to be honest. Um, Philip is a, a star of both uh, full-size motorsport, real motorsport and esports. And, of course, with Spengler and Katzberg getting a 1-2, uh, they are the favourites going into this. But practice told us it might be a different story. But you kind of think they've got this backup. They know what they're doing. They've got race engineers working out for them. They're all individually practising. This has been taken incredibly seriously. And it'd be a fool to bet against BMW. Uh, got a few more uh, Fords this week than we had the last time around. Harry Tinknell. Uh, racing for uh, Mazda, but with the Multimatic uh, connection, of course, he's back in the, the Ford, threw away what would have been Mazda's first win a couple of years, going through Turn 5. I'm reminded by Shea Adams. Shea, thank you very much, and thanks uh, for your help on the entry list stats as well. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at IMSA Radio. The audio is on RS2 IMSA Radio. We're in sound and vision as well at RadioLamont.com. And our new feature is full live timing as well, all on the same page. Sound, vision and timing all there in one spot. As the clock is ticking down, have we had a fast lap yet? We haven't. Uh, we're expecting something around the 19s. Uh, a 20 is not going to do it. Nicky Katzberg has just put in a 120 point three and that is not going to be quick enough Shinya Mishimi the Lamborghini specialist we think of him goes to the top of the category all cars in the GT Le Mans class of course and it's basically now everyone improving uh, Ayachan uh, Guven in the Porsche 911 uh, RSR the 991 that's the number 913 car he is alien class uh, this weekend and I mean that in the nicest possible way, Ben, because he has got an extraordinary racing on iRacing. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic uh, iRacing pedigree uh, is leading the iRacing championship for the Porsche Super Cup. They've decided to launch their championship on iRacing rather than waiting for the real life version. Uh, and he leads that after two rounds. But even before then, even before he was a Porsche junior, um, because of his pedigree in uh, 
in sim racing, that's really what gave him the opportunity uh, to get into a real car and show his promise. So uh, the fastest man in practice is the, now the fastest man at the top of the timing screens. Rodrigo Fluca will be riding on board with him, watching on the spectator mode of iRacing just to see how clean he is. And it's beautiful to see the way that he just lets the car drift around the circuit without getting too spooked by the rear end moving around. Well, he is, uh, as all of these drivers have some kind of uh, IMSA pedigree. Actually, I'll say the majority of them. I think there's a couple who haven't actually turned a wheel in uh, IMSA racing. Rodrigo normally behind the wheel of a prototype challenge car, which is an LMP3. Townsend Bell going up to the top of the hill in a trio of BMWs. And, oh, there's contact there and a mistake. Who was that in front of uh, TB, T-Bell? who went off there. Uh, that was the number 26 car of Philippe Eng and the Team Austria. So he's had... Uh, oh, no, that's Philippe there who's going up the hill. So not sure who that was in the darker-coloured car. I don't know if uh, Nick... Uh, 200, I'm being told, by Drew. Drew Adamson and the team, by the way, the unsung heroes of these uh, broadcasts. So that means it was Ryan Lewis in the ERA yeah. Motorsports BMW... Uh, what I what I don't know, other than uh, Drew in the in the uh, in the truck, effectively, who the rest of the uh, the team is, but he will tell me that before the end of the show. But they've put a lot of work in uh, already. Time's coming in. Richard Highstand now goes into second, but Rodrigo Fluke and Nick Damon, uh, the man who's normally behind the prototype challenge car, still at the top uh, as he was in practice that finished just a few moments ago. Well, he's just been uh, usurped by Shinya Michibi and, and Philip Eng. So the point about this qualifying is, and uh, we talked about the, the iRacing uh, model, is you start on pretty much cold tyres and they get better and better and better and better. So probably up to five or six laps, you're getting better grip the whole time. Now, that's great. And five or six laps will take you through the quarter now. But now you've got 47 to 50 cars out. You've got to find a gap as well. But once your tyres are warm and find a gap to get that perfect qualifying lap in. Uh, it is at IMSA Radio if you'd like to get in touch uh, on Twitter, at IMSA Radio, please. Uh, and the time's just... Uh, you know what? I think it's very dangerous, Ben, to wait till halfway through the session before venturing out of the pit lane. I think everybody has tried to get out of the pit lane and, and had various issues. We've still got, I would say, five or six cars yet to do a time. Tristan Vautier, one of them, um, Patrick Long, the slowest guy in practice, is also not managing uh, to set a time. Ryan Hardwick, Gavin Enston and Juan Balbosa, all without times. Townsend Bell is the slowest man out there, some 11 seconds back uh, in 42nd place. Uh, I think they're just trying and failing to get a clean lapping. This is the Porsche with the highest eye racing driver. That's Ayachan Guven, uh, double very good in the virtual world and pretty decent as well in the real world. Two Carrera Cups, including the French Carrera Cup, where if memory serves, and Tim Greer will probably know this, I think he was the first ever foreign driver to win the Porsche Carrera Cup. Uh, at uh, It was a bizarre incident for him. He won the Porsche Carrera Cup uh, at Paul Ricard's. In uh, last year, and he had three wheels on his wagon as he went across the line, but he just about did enough to hold on to the championship. Uh, the other Porsche drivers have been leaning very heavy on the young Turkish uh, uh, pilot because he has an awful lot of experience and he's been helping them set up the car. And the Porsche 
It is one of those cars, Nick Damon, that if it's set up well, it's an absolute joy to drive. Yeah, exactly. With the, the rear wheel drive, the rear engine, you know, it, it has the grip, it has the drive, but also it has the uh, pendulum effect. So you do get the things slightly wrong. You're, you're struggling with oversteer. Now, the interesting thing, if, you, if people who can see the the shot, is that you're seeing a lot of cars spinning off. And, and obviously, there's there's not the, the jeopardy of actually having to go and repair the car once it gets to the pitch. You can start again after a short break of 20 seconds or so. They let you get back out with a new car. Mm. Unfortunately, you get back out with cold tyres again. Yes. So you, and you need those three laps to warm up. So it's not a, oh, I'll just go as fast. It's not a no-risk situation. In, in qualifying, when they are throwing off a bit, which they won't be doing in the race, you do have a penalty if you decide to have to stop and start with a, a new car half of the session. Yeah, a tour back was uh, two minutes penalty uh, at Sebring. Uh, not using the incident counters here, but uh, we do have a slight change to the format, which we'll go through at the moment. Bruno Spengler was the winner of the race on Super Saturday at Sebring, run on the same weekend that the Sebring race should have happened, the actual Sebring race, and he was chased home by his teammate Nicky Katzberg. Nicky made one small mistake under braking at Turn 7, the hairpin in front of the hotel, Spengler didn't need a second invitation. He was through like a rat up a drain pipe. And, the, <laughs> and in third position, making it a 1-2-3 for the Munich brand, uh, it was Jesse Kron, who just didn't have the pace of the two guys ahead of him. But at the moment, it's Ford, Ford, BMW, Ford, Ford, BMW, BMW, Ford and Porsche. So the highest I-rated driver is Aishan uh, uh, Guven in 10th position and he's pitted with five minutes to go. This very pretty blue Porsche is the number 16 of Ryan Hardwick for Wright Motorsports. Uh, Ryan racing for his real world team. That one's going to be pretty easy uh, to pick out as he's just on the far side of the circuit and allowing a couple of very bright green BMWs to go through. Now this is an interesting entry. This is the Ian Vassar Sullivan team. Now, they don't race BMWs in the real world, but they've transferred their very distinctive bright yellow, almost highlighter yellow paintwork onto BMWs. They are Lexus. They're a Lexus Works team uh, normally, but they've got their uh, drivers in this. And this looks like this is a, a little bit of lead and follow here, uh, Ben Constantinus. I don't know, because um, this is Shane Van Gisbergen in the 97. He's the second car behind Townsend Bell. I would expect Shane to be a much faster competitor on iRacing than Townsend Bell, but he is the second of the car. And over the line, any changes? No. Shane won, uh, was it yesterday or two days ago, uh, in the Supercar Series? Yes, uh, where the race at Yeah, racing alongside Max Verstappen as well. Yeah, that was very good. Enjoyed that. That is my new Wednesday morning uh, that guilty pleasure uh, watching that as we're getting ready for midweek motorsport. You're right. I think Townsend is just holding uh, Shane up uh, a little bit. He's six tenths away from the leader in 12th position. It's still Rodrigo Fluke uh, in the number 47 Ford. That's the Precision Performance Motorsport PPM car. That is, again, his real world team. Rodrigo from Lima, Peru top of the class at the moment and here's Van Gisberg oh, and, he's no. his teammates. and they're both in the wall in practice well they'll get away with that in practice but th- there was frustration there from Shane Van Gisberg and I think that Townsend Bell uh, who is more usually found in the broadcast booth now for NBC Sports and he's got AJ Allmendinger his broadcast partner in this race uh, as well 
And that's Almendinger's view now in 16th position in the blue number 60, the Mayershank Racing NBC Sports broadcast car. So that's very interesting. I wonder if yeah. there'll be... Ooh, a spun Porsche there. Yeah. That was one of the works Porsches coming down the hill out of the out of the corkscrew, Nick. You see, that shouldn't happen because the teams and the drivers all have radios. They have radios, you know, where they can talk to each other and they can talk to a team manager. It's, it, that's the way it's run. So theoretically, Aim Vassar Sullivan should have had a team radio and Shane would be able to say please let me through and Mr. Bell should have known he was there so hopefully it's helped correctly you can have that radio is available uh, in iRacing so coming down to the last couple of minutes JDC Miller in their traditional yellow and black colours with the traditional number as well this is really helpful for me Tristan Vortier for Grenoble in France in that BMW there are a couple of colour schemes I will warn you all now when we've been caught out of it even when we were watching a little bit of practice earlier on that uh, particularly on a couple of the Ferraris Nick that uh, are uh, very cleverly done to make the Ferrari not look quite as Ferrari like no it looked like one of those um, sort of um, US uh, sort of converted uh, Corvettes they used to do which looked Ferrari-ish but they, they put it's a weird lighting placement as well we're like, what's that what's that they've got a new car but no it was actually just a very cleverly painted and very interestingly lit uh, Ferrari but the Ferraris themselves really aren't having a great time looking down I think the fastest Ferrari is in 22nd place which is Alessandro Balzan so um, again the the model the not the Ferrari the Ferrari 488 GT model is proving not to be as quick as the other three marks you can choose from we said Ben didn't we that we expected the 4-2 to better at Sebring than it did it's a pretty well balanced car uh, people, oh, there's another spinner, and that's a BMW going out at turn number three. I uh, didn't quite pick up who, who that was. Um, the Fords didn't have the best of luck at Sebring, uh, of course, so that really took them out. But the fact that we've now got 13 Fords, the second most numerous, still more BMWs than anybody else, down one from 20 to 19 in this race from what we saw at Sebring. Porsche down from 20 to 12. Ferrari on six, but Ford up to 13. That suggests to me, uh, Ben Constantiris, that there's been a few drivers out trying a few of these different cars. Absolutely, and each car is going to suit a track uh, differently as we progress through this uh, invitational series. Um, but also the way that the uh, the iRacing models these cars as well. Uh, the, the Ford is actually a relatively old car and so uh, was looking for an update to, to get it a bit more on par with the BMW and the Porsche, which are much newer cars. Uh, and I think that may have happened over the last couple of weeks. Every week, iRacing gets a, an update. Uh, it goes off for maintenance and gets uh, updated. And it's possible that Ford is slightly better now. Four cars. Four cars, uh, including Patrick Long, not set a time. John Doonan, the president of IMSA, will be joining us in the race broadcast. He told us on Midweek Motorsport that, uh, that the IMSA technical team were actually liaising with <laughs> iRacing about balance of performance. Uh, and they took some stats away after Sebring just to prove uh, how close to real life that is. Qualifying is over then. It's so important to be somewhere near the front with a 50-car grid. Let's... Uh, take a look at how they will line up. It was Rodri uh, Rodrigo Fluke on the front row uh, with uh, Kenton Cook right at the end in the bright pink car with a 118.5, so a couple of tenths away 
Bruno Spengler, winner at Sebring, has Merkel Bortolotti alongside him. Then Richard Westbrook in the Ford with Philippe Eng for BMW Team Austria on row three. That's your top six. Look at the times, how close they are. Shinya Mishimi on the inside of row four with Sebastian Prio in the Ford alongside him. BMW for Nicky Katzberg and he's got Richard Highstand for company and we're still half a, only half a second away from Paul Robbie Foley, Paul Mann from Sebring, down on the sixth row here with fellow BMW driver John Edwards for company. As we look at the Lexus starting grid. Behind them, the highest racing, uh, highest eye racing driver, 913, uh, Anishan Guvin with uh, Shane van Giesbergen. Uh, alongside him on row seven. Row eight, AJ Almendinger and Jesse Cron. He was a podium finisher at Sebring. Harry Tinknell with a 55 Ford, uh, but racing under the Mazda banner there with Nick Tandy alongside him. Nick on row nine. He'll be happy. He's inside the top half. Can only go forward from there. Corey Lewis and Conor D. Philippe. Corey, in addition to the team driving, uh, to the grid rather, driving for uh, Paul Miller Racing in the number 48. Lawrence Van Tuer in the works Porsche has Matthias Leist alongside him. The inside of row 12 in uh, 24th posi- 23rd position is Alessandro Balsan. Tristan Fortier, JDC Miller 85 with Jeff Segal in the Ferrari alongside him. Then Philippe Albuquerque on row 14 uh, in the number 31. That's a good, that's his number as well. Colton Hurt alongside him. Misha Goitberg, the Canadian, has Colin Brown for company uh, on his row of the grid. And as we get towards the back, Daniel Dye, the short track racer, drafted in to this all-star cast with Tony V. Landers, Ferrari alongside him, Cameron Castle and Ryan Lewis, Riley Dickinson and Corey Fergus on row 18. Now, a few drivers did not set a time, including Pat Long, but towards the end of the grid, we've got Paul Holton and Joao Barbosa, Lars Kern, not a lot of experience on iRacing, but he's the man who sets the quick times for Porsche in road cars around the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Parker Chase alongside him. Then on road 21, it's Gabby Chavez in the 5C row 3 with Cody Ware uh, alongside him. And Aaron Tealitz and Gavin Ernstone won't be happy to be on road 22. Townsend Bell will be distraught at being on road 23 alongside Ryan Hardwick. And Patrick Long didn't put a lap in in the Haggerty Insurance-sponsored Porsche. So that's how they will line up. We'll get going on the grid in a moment. Let's take a quick look at the Porsche keys to the race as we go on the warm-up lap behind the Porsche safety car. No damage. It just doesn't work. The cars, doesn't that look fantastic, by the way, with all the cars two by two on the grid. Pace is important, but you must be consistent. And the tyres, the top 10 at Sebring did not take tyres. They went the whole distance on one set of Michelins. I've talked to a few drivers who've been practising this week. They don't think that will be the case. What about playing the fuel? Well, playing the fuel game, certainly. There will be a stop for fuel. But here's the joker in the pack here at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, for our Porsche Keys the race. There will be a competition yellow, something that's not happened in IMSA competition, real or virtual, before, and we don't know when that's going to come. That is not at a set lap or a set time. That will be called, and then all your strategy could go out of the window. What we said earlier on in our Michelin countdown to green was that means that you are going to have to react whilst you'll have a plan in your head. You've got a plan for it to possibly not come until the last five or ten minutes. 
But Nick Damon, you're going to have to react to that. And there's your answer, Nick, by the way, to Kenton Cook. Uh, that looks like he has gone for the full pink, uh, although he's changed from Porsche to Ford. Yeah, he's taken the the wrap with him. Uh, but I believe he told you it was because it, it made, meant people wouldn't dare crash into him. Well, they're certainly not going to miss him um, from probably about half a lap away. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really important thing to to bear in mind. We've seen a lot of esports where cars have been clunking into each other with absolutely no jeopardy. If you clunk into another car, even if you carry on going, if you pick up a small amount of damage in iRacing, it will slow you down. Keeping clean is absolutely vital. Uh Four zeros on the clock at the moment. That's because we'll put the 90 minutes on as the cars go across to take the green flag. Wherever you are in the world, welcome along to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca for our Motul iRacing IMSA Invitational. It's John Hindorf in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre with Nick Damon and Ben Constant-Juris, the safety car lights, well, we can call it the pace car now. The pace car lights are out. If we see it again, it will be the safety car. Pull position then for the number 47. That is sitting on the left, driver's left. That's Rodrigo Fluca, the man from Lima, Peru, with Kenton Cook on the outside. And he, oh, that's a bit of wheel spin from the pole sitter. Kenton was a little bit slow, and the BMW gets a good run from the inside of the second row. That's the number seven of Bruno Spengler, winner at Sebring. A bit of a tatty start, if I'm honest, with an hour and 30 on the clock. It is now counting down. There goes Cook round the outside of the Andretti hairpin. It's almost two corners that, but he'll get the inside run to turn number three, and there may well be a shot for taking the lead from Kenton. Now living in North Carolina, did he just manage to ease through in the lead as they head towards turn four? No, he's had to drop in behind the darker Ford. So it's Ford, Ford, BMW at the front of the field with a Ford in fourth position. Also coming through there, that looked very much to me like the Team Austria car of Philippe Eng uh, in the background. The red and white number 26. Yes, it was. He's having a look at one of the Fords as well as they go up to the very tricky turn six, climbing the hill towards the... Uh, corkscrew and up rear hull straight for the first time pretty clean start at least at the front of the field i know that ben and nick will be watching to see if there's been any incidents further down the field but this is a good start from the pole sitter holding off kenton cook it just looks to me at the moment nick damon that kenton in that fluorescent pink car which he says he does so that the drivers around him can see him better in the mirrors that just looks as though it's got a little better pace in this early running yeah, he's got himself up and running very effectively now. So he's just going to try and uh, uh, get a, a good toe and try and get past. Interesting, Townsend Bell came into the pits at the end of the first lap. So I think he may have picked up a little damage at the back and decided to clean it up very quickly, knowing, of course, that with the potential of an early competition yellow, he can make that space back up again. But you actually can see him joining, rejoining. So he's lost a lap in that quick stop. Yeah, and he's going to have to stay out of the way. Ben would have been watching the time there just to give you a little bit of idea on the pit stops. It's about 29 seconds for a full drop of fuel. Uh, that'll give you anything between 45 and 60 seconds stationary in the pit lane, depending on how much fuel you put in. If you put new Michelin tyres on, you don't have to. There was a battle for second position, uh, and it looks as though Spengler's gone through. Meantime, further back down, there was a touch there with the Ian Vassar Sullivan car just... Uh, 
ushering someone off to the left-hand side of the circuit. And there's the turn to BMW of Robbie Falling, losing it at turn six. That is an absolute nightmare place to go wide. Lost grip from the right-hand side, Michelin's. But Spengler confirmed in second position. Just saw him muscling his way through. I think that happened through turn five, Ben, as he was uh, starting to head up the hill. So the first three or four minutes and it's more side by side for second well this is where the action is at the moment this is great news for Rodrigo Fluke who has pulled away from the pole position in Kenton having had a little bit of an advantage I thought on the cool tyres earlier on now into third position with Mirko Bortolotti in the triple eight in fourth Richard Westbrook in the 67 Ford then it's the 26 red and white BMW of Philippe and then Nicky Katzberg in the uh, more red and less white number 10 BMW <laughs> uh, best of the Porsches is the works coloured red with a white stripe down it that's uh, Ian Chan Guven in the 913 and AJ Allmendinger creditably, creditably in the top 10 in the number 60 with Shane Van Gisbergen up to 10th in the number 97 that's one of the other M. Vassar Sullivan cars further down the field the 85 in 7th position uh, 17th position is Tristan Vautier and he's looking forward at Corey Lewis in the white Ford GT ahead of Corey the very distinctive bright orange car of uh, uh, bright yellow car of Matthias Leist and Conor de Filippi is the BMW ahead of them battles right through the field as we would expect earlier on yeah and Sebastian we've got a few cars. had a problem sorry go ahead Ben yeah we've got a few cars already uh have visited the pits we've spoken about Townsend Bell who's beat was in the pits for two and a half minutes so he got a toe back to the pits uh Aaron Tetzler also in pit lane Shinji Machini a big pitter only in the pits for 26 27 seconds along with Lawrence Vanthor so I'm just investigating as to exactly what happened there is this a very very early stop John, we've also had problems for Sebastian Prio and um, Harry Tinknell as well. Because, oh, two um, of the boards again. Yeah, they had problems Prio's, before. Prio, big issues. He's just falling down the field and again, there's lots of warnings coming up. And Tinknell had a, a, a couple of quick off-track warnings and I think he may have gone off uh, half-spun and got back on again. But certainly Sebastian Prio is in major problems. Philippe Eng with Richard Westbrook ahead of him. The red and white BMW and the light blue and... Uh, Etruscan Orange 67 side by side through turn five. Super move by Eng. Through the car to the right. Dummied Westbrook to think he was going round the outside. And then cut back to the apex decisively there and takes the position. Uh, and that is a position made up then to fifth for Philip Eng. And he's now going to try and chase down Merkel Bortolotti. Uh, sitting in behind Westbrook, it's another BMW, this time the black car with the BMW M stripes on it, and that is Nicky Katzberg. Katzberg in seventh at the moment, sixth Westbrook, fifth, a new fifth, Eng. Meantime, battle for second on the left-hand side of the screen for those of you uh, watching in sound and vision. And don't forget at RadioLamont.com, we've got live timing as well uh, for the first time for you all in one place. Kenton Cook and Bruno Spengler as Fluker goes through across the line. New fastest lap of the race, 119.1 for uh, Rodrigo Fluke at 19.4 for Spengler. Ken Kenton Cook, uh, 19.5, trying to put some pressure on. And in 5th, 6th and 7th, it looks to me as though Philippe Eng in the uh, red and white BMW is pulling away. And here's the opportunity then for Ian Chan Guven in the uh, 9-1-3 Porsche. That's such an unusual number. We've got that many works Porsches here. 9-11 and 9-12 I'm used to seeing, but not 9-13. And he 
with the Michelin's now, I guess, up to temperature, or at least getting there, Ben, looks like he's got a pretty quick car under him as we are moving into lap number six next time around. Time to start settling down, really, isn't it? Uh, it was actually an impressive first couple of corners. We didn't see a huge amount of chaos uh, that if anybody knows iRacing tends to have a bit of chaos in the first couple of corners, even if you were in IndyCar, for instance, or, or supercars. Uh, but uh, we were pretty good the first couple of corners, nice and clean. A couple of isolated incidents that we've highlighted, uh, a very small pit stops for Shinji Machini, just four seconds. It must have been a penalty. Lawrence Van Thor, the same. Uh, they are still running 25th and 31st, respectively. Uh, but it's uh, looking good at the front of the field. Uh, Nick Damon, your thoughts early on uh, with uh, one or two bits and pieces of, uh, of contact. But at the front of the field, it's been very close and very impressive racing. Yeah, great start by by the field, I think. Just to uh, clear up the issues with both the, uh, the British drivers in the Fords, they actually weren't having race issues they were having connection issues so it was a connectivity issue it was it was um it was sebastian Prior was having which he was being lost by the timing every now and again and being given these warnings but he's actually up and running happily in 15th and uh, harry tink was in 13th but uh, yeah i mean it's really really close racing everyone settled down very sensibly and perhaps they've been listening to mission and keys to race they know that not hitting each other and consistency is the key to getting to the point where you can start to attack in the last 20 minutes or so yeah we'll check back in with the porsche keys to the race later on bmw not having Having it all, it's uh, having it all their own way as they really rather did at Sebring. But Ford that leads in the hands of Rodrigo Fluger. Haven't seen him for a while. The dark-coloured number 47. Heck of a scrap going on further back down the field, and that's uh, Richard Westbrook right in the uh, middle of that in the Ford. Two BMWs side by side. Nicky Katz. Uh, no, that's not uh, Westbrook. My apologies. It is the. It is Westbrook. He must have dropped down the field a little bit. It is Katzberg. So where's Guven in the Porsche? He should have been amongst them. There he is. Ah, there was a lapped car in that. That's what threw me out for a moment. So that was one of the cars that had problem earlier on. So Katzberg going for sixth position ahead of him. The light blue, very light eggshell blue uh, Ford through turn number four, heading towards five. Highly banked on the right-hand side. You can throw it in really late. And that's exactly what Katzberg tries to do. He doesn't try to do it. He does do it. Fantastic overtaking manoeuvre using the contours of the circuit. You trail break all the way to the apex there. And he got through sixth position. Absolutely textbook stuff here at Mazda Raceway. Excuse me, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, Jill Campbell's training down for the previous 17 years uh, before WeatherTech took it on a couple of years ago. Magnificent stuff there, Nick. That's exactly what you want to see from these these drivers. Yeah, and that was indi- indicative, really, of a driver who suddenly got confidence in the car and confidence in the tyres. I think yeah, it's, it's really important to stress how how key it is to get these tyres up to temperature where you can start leaning on them. And it's, it's night and day. It's like being on ice to actually being... St- adhered to and stuck to the ground and now Katzberg's got that confidence and he's absolutely pushing like heck and he's getting a long way away from Westbrook already as they come around the Andretti hairpin for the what is the C how many laps are on now it's the ninth time this is correct we've completed eight eight laps at IMSA Radio if you'd like to get in touch with us and here comes the Porsche remember Sage Caron was the best of the Porsches at Sebring in our March race what getting on for exactly a month ago a month yesterday when we had that race and the Porsche 
that time finished in fourth position. There were five Porsches and five BMWs finished in the top ten positions. None of them took tyres in that race, although there will have to be a fuel stop, and there's going to be a competition yellow. Don't forget, we don't know when that is. That could really throw the cat amongst the pigeons and strategy and all that planning and all that practising of how long you can go on your tyres and your fuel. That could be thrown into total confusion and chaos. So the Turkish driver then started in eighth position. He's made up five spots. He's looking at the back of the Ford, coming down into the final corner, the 11th turn, the left-hander onto the start-finish straight. Easy to take too much curb on the uh, centre of that corner and on the exit as well, underneath the walkover bridge, through the tricky little left-hander. The car goes a little bit light over that rise and then another downhill, tricky, difficult, very, very tough place to get your braking right for the Andretti hairpins, then hard on the throttle, third, fourth gear, back down to third again, probably some of these guys may be doing turn four, in leave it in fourth, fourth uh, I would think, through there, then up to fifth, and set yourself up for the climbing left-handed turn of turn five. Bit of banking on that, don't often see it, looks flattened out from the camera angles that we get on TV, which are perfectly replicated here. And in the background, off has gone the BMW. I think that was Jesse Cron. I think that was Jesse Cron in the 24 car that went wide at turn six. So easy, Ben Constituris, uh, to do that. If you miss your turning point by just a smidge, or if you've got somebody up the inside of you, once you get onto that dirt there, there's just no grip at all. Yeah, it doesn't look like it was Jesse. He's still circulating. Okay. Can't see exactly who it may have been. Perhaps Corey Lewis. No, it was a BMW, it was, so it, it wasn't Corey like Lewis. It looked like a BMW to me. I have yeah. to say that. Was it John Edwards then in the 23? Might have been John Edwards in the 23 then in that case because he's in one of the team black cars. So I, my money's on John Edwards. Let's see if he drops down uh, a little bit uh, from the position he was at the start of the lap. At the head of the field, Rodrigo Fluca is now in traffic. Bruno Spengler and Kenton Cook, BMW and Ford battling it out for second as the leader goes past the bright blue Ferrari at the back of the field, Kenton likes that colourway. Race the Porsche at Sebring. And has changed to the Ford here. As he heads up to the corkscrew. Not really an over. That little right kink before the corkscrew really throws off any opportunity that you've got to pass. Now down through Rainy Curve and building up fourth gear down into third clip the apex on the inside of the right hander at turn 10 now down to 11 pick your braking spot all the way down the gearbox to first gear right out to the astroturf and then the long run to turn one through that left hand kink just over the top of the brow gonna get right close to the inside where the markers are for the pit lane now down to the hairpin at the end of the front straight Let's so talking of the pit go lane, John, we've got, a, we've got a couple of people in the pit lane at the moment. Conor DeFilippi's been in for the last two and a half minutes. Uh, Townsend Bell had a pit stop of nearly four minutes before going back out on the circuit. I did catch when I was uh, flicking through the spectator mode on iRacing an accident uh, between Gabby Chavez, uh, who spun at the corkscrew and was collected uh, by Jeffrey Siegel. 
Siegel went into pit lane and had a one minute stop, but Chavez carried on. So Chavez is running in his BMW now in 30th position, uh, but very slowly because he's definitely damaged. That's a bit of a problem there. Seventh position still being disputed. And we've got the battle for second as well with traffic in the way now. Coming down the hill, damaged BMW. And that's really going to play into the hands of Kenton Cook as Bruno Spengler was held up there by another one of the Munich Mark as they came down towards turn number 10. Just a little bit further back behind them. Uh, Katzberg, Westbrook and Gouven together. Turner BMW, Robbie Forley had a problem uh, a little bit earlier on. Did he get a little bit of a helping bumper? Yes, he oh, yes. did. Going into turn five. Almost held it. Oh, and then for good luck, he gets picked up again. Well, Robbie's had no luck at all, Nick Damon, in the opening couple of races of the uh, IMSA iRacing uh, Pro Invitational. Uh, pole position and I think two accidents at least, yep. not of his own making at Sebring. And already, as we're just into the first dozen laps, he, he's already had a couple of uh, sandy moments here at WeatherTech Raceway. <laughs> Yeah, that was Paul Holton from uh, Compass Racing, another BMW who unfortunately certainly was responsible for that accident, um, just missed his braking point or braked a little bit later, collected the inside of, uh, of the driver. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. This is the problem. See, not, you have to drive your own race, but obviously you have to be careful of people behind you. And sometimes, you know, it's, it, you have to let people go. They're being particularly aggressive. Or you just have to modulate what you're doing based on what they are, because obviously the the, the fact is there is going to be more contact in a in an e-race than there is in a real race because it's it's very much more difficult to judge some of the, the distances and, and even if you're not trying not to do it, it's just a different environmental feel because you don't have all your senses activated in an e-sports race, which you do in a, in a full-size race. Let's, before any more action kicked in, let's take a look at a Mazda race rundown. There's the path by Gouven. That was on the Ford of uh, Richard Westbrook. That was for seventh position, but the Ford's got the ponies out the corners and the grip as well. That was very impressive. And Westbrook will get back through. Westbrook, an absolute pass master at saving fuel, but still driving quickly. And in behind them, uh, the next car up should be Shane Van Gisberg. And so the Ford that's sitting in behind them must be a lapped car. And then Shane Van Gisberg in the AVS, the Invasor Solomon. Oh, Westbrook's gone onto the dirt. <laughs> Just caught the left-hand side, went too wide through turn three and noses the Ford into the barriers. And he is now out of contention. I don't think there was a touch there. I really don't think that there was a touch between the Porsche and the Ford. We'll check that, obviously. Uh, meantime, the two battling for second uh, are coming up to traffic. So, Gouven got the position across the line, lost it on the drag race to the Andretti hairpins, and did Westbrook just go too wide? He did! By half a Michelin's width! That's all! And that spit him off to the right-hand side of the circuit. Right, let's take a look at the Mazda race rundown uh, and pick up our leader, Rodrigo Fluke, in the number 47, has led from pole position as he has driven an absolutely immaculate race uh, for the first dozen or so laps. We're working lap 14 at the moment. There's our leader working through traffic in the black and red at Ford GT as we have a look at the Mazda race rundown. Spengler and Kenton Cook are around about three seconds behind the man from Peru. 
working his way through traffic. He's the first one to come through. Spengler having to do the same thing at turn five with Kenton Cook in the bright pink Ford right behind the BMW. So Ford leads, BMW leads Ford. Fourth position and just stealthed up to fourth is the triple eight of Mirko Bortolotti. And he is just uh, another couple of seconds, call it three seconds further back from this battle for second position as we run down the top ten in the uh, Mazda race rundown. So Bortolotti then in the triple eight uh, in, uh, what did I say, fourth position. He's got all that traffic to go through. And that uh, dark-coloured car with the very bright accents, easy to pick up, as is Philippe Eng in fifth. He's made up a position in the... I've got to like a red and white car coming from where I do in the world with my football team. Then Nicky Katzberg, uh, who was second at Sebring, of course, for BMW. He is in uh, in sixth position, having made up three spots in the Team Black BMW. Behind Katzberg is the first of the Porsches. That's Ayachan Guven, the young Turkish sensation in the real world and in sim racing. And he's made up uh, five positions as well. Uh, six positions as well, excuse me. Started 13th, didn't he? AJ Almendinger, he'll be delighted in the Ford. Uh, started in 15th position. So that's an eight, uh, seven position gain for Dinger. Shane van Giesbergen is behind him in the very bright coloured in Vassar Sullivan BMW, that's going to take some getting used to. No Lexus available, so AVS have decided to come in and bring their team colours with them. And Shane Van Gisbergen sits just inside the top 10 at 9. And Nick Tandy started 18th and is currently in 10th. The man from who is racing, what, about 15 or 20 minutes drive from where I'm standing in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre up to 10th position. And the Porsche Works driver will be delighted. And Nick, if you look at that Nick Tandy car and we think back to the Porsche keys to the race, no doubt in my mind that there's not a scratch on that Porsche of Nick Tandy and that is actually how to do it. And you have got you have got some good results recently by staying on the track. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ben and I actually were racing earlier today at Brands Hatch, and uh, whilst Ben was a good quarter of a second, a half a second a lap faster than me, I still finished ahead of him because he was involved in incidents, not of his own making, in fairness. Uh, and I wasn't. It's very important to keep it clean. Here's the pass that just happened for second place, as Nick was talking there. It was in the hand of Spengler. Traffic ahead. One of the AVS cars as they came into the corkscrew. That was a fantastic dive down the inside. Townsend Bell in the number 12, which is, as I say, normally a Lexus number. 12 and 14 is what they're running IMSA. Uh, and not a locked wheel. No touch on the lapped car either for Kenton Cook. And he's now back into second position, which, of course, is where he started. He lost that a wee while ago. Not... Uh, not quite, what have we done, uh, for 25 and a half minutes, gentlemen. And we still haven't had our competition yellow. We don't know when that's coming. We're starting to get, I would think, into our pit stop window shortly. So before we do that, and we haven't been able to do this before, so thanks to Drew and the team at iRacing, we'll welcome to our broadcast the president of IMSA, John Doonan. John, it's handoff here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Thanks for joining us, mate. How are you doing? Uh, 
Well, it's great to have your company, mate, and uh, this has been fantastic racing so far. And you've got uh, you've got some announcements to make about the uh, the iRacing IMSA Motul Series going forward. Well, John Doonan, president of IMSA, thank you for that. A man of many hats, uh, literally there, and very proud. I know, John, uh, uh, that all of the uh, all of the uh, teams from the real world and the IMSA competitions, as well as your partners, have joined us on this series. So let's get back to our racing. As we're back again with some cracking BMW into Nissan action. The number 10 is Nicky Katzberg in the darker coloured car. Uh, the car in between him and Philippe Eng, the red and white car ahead, uh, is a lapped car. Now, this was just a few moments ago. Oh, and oh my goodness me. So somebody got turned around in the BMW. And a masterful piece of avoidance from our camera car there. Well, gentlemen, great news about the uh, Michelin involvement uh, going forward there. And proof if proof were needed, Ben, that the real world sponsors and the teams that we've been talking about for the last couple of events really getting switched on to this and finding this a way to get some visibility and support the sport. Well, absolutely. You know, if without the real cars circulating on the real tracks and the sponsors' visibility uh, at those events, they need to find another way to communicate with the audience. And it's proof that the audience is there to enjoy this uh, virtual version of the real-life events. And uh, because the audience is there, then the sponsors are getting behind it. And we're creating a whole new ecosystem uh, for motorsport over the next, uh, well, however many months we have to do this for. Um, but you know what? 
for me, this has always been fantastic uh, replication of, of motorsport on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before going off to a real event for the weekend. And there's so much racing going on every single day on different platforms. Uh, and it's great to see that the pros are treating it so seriously now, whether it be the manufacturers or the drivers themselves. Uh, Nick Dearman, uh, I, I bet you spotted this just over John Doonan's uh, left shoulder. I did notice that he had the track cut out and it was WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. There's attention to detail from the president of IMSA. <laughs> Can't help feel that might have been from his time as uh, the head of Mazda. Do you not think so? Um, when it, of course, with the previous name of the circuit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic, um, as you say, endorsement of what we're doing, what the IMSA is doing. That the the real uh, sponsors come on board to back the virtual events as well. And I think it's it, it has proven to be, you know, a, a great. Uh, Philip in these difficult times. And I think also one of the great things about this is happening on a Thursday night because realistically other series need to get their their, their, their their game in order because you can't have 17 races on a Saturday. You need to have it all spread out. And we've claimed Thursday for ourselves now. I think um, is it, uh, the supercars are claimed Tuesday. So let's have it let's have one a Wednesday, night rather than seven yeah. Wednesday rather than seven on a rather than seven on a Saturday. Uh, AJ Almondinger uh, into the pit with 31 minutes gone, so an hour to go, and this is scheduled pit stops. Now, this is early. This is early, but it's a gamble, and we saw Ben Constantinus. Nobody who did the early stop strategy uh, really bothered the leaders. It's Sebring. It might be different here with the, the tyres wearing a little more. It's a high-degradation track here. Almondinger's pit stop was just 22 seconds. So uh, that would be a, a top up of fuel and that's about it. The other stops that we've seen recently uh, in pit lane, Shinya Machini uh, has been into pits and uh, Jesse Crone as well. 4.4 seconds. That's just a slight uh, tweak in uh, getting the car fixed after damage. So uh, I think for the moment, these are not real, real stops. Uh, really? Okay. So we think this is a little bit early, Nick Damon, do we, for a scheduled stop to go an hour from here? If you can make a stop and not lose a lap, and you're now predicting the competition yellow, what you're doing is putting yourself in a better position mm, good point. to uh, flexibility if the yellow comes out between now and when you make your normal stop. So basically, I'm not at the front. Let's make a stop. It's 22 seconds. I'm now further back, but I will, we will all be brought up together. Other people will peel off, and I may find myself 10 or 15 positions higher than I would have been with a nice full tank of fuel. Mm, that's a very good point. Competition Yellow uh, are on the way at some time in the race. Rodrigo Fluka leads then. Then the battle for second. Kenton Cook having got by Bruno Sprengler a couple of three laps ago. Where he hasn't really been able to pull away. But he is closing in just ever so slightly on the leader. Two seconds the gap there. It was almost three. He's taken about six or seven tenths. Then Spengler in third position in that red and black BMW. Ford, Ford, BMW, Ford is your top four with Michael Bortolotti sitting round about a couple of seconds in the triple eight car behind the top three at the moment. So some, maybe some tricky Brit stop strategy has been played out early on here with those early stops. John Edwards yeah, John. inside the top 10 now, by the way, for BMW in the uh, number 23 car. Ben, go ahead. Shout out to Richard Westbrook. Do you remember in, at Sebring, he uh, retired early from the race and then put on Twitter that he was selling his sim because he had really <laughs> thrown his toys out the pram. 
He's obviously his wife, Jess, has calmed him down a little bit. He had a bit of a shunt earlier on, but he's still running a decent pace. His last lap a 19.7 is only a couple of tenths slower than our leader. So despite nosing it into the wall, he's recovered back to 11th and he's getting his head down and plugging away. And it's uh, great to see he's still got a great chance if strategy falls in his uh, in his hands. It's Ben Constituris uh, and it's Nick Damon alongside uh, me virtually, John Hynoff as well, as we're all in the... Global Broadcast Centre, the Haggerty Insurance Global Broadcast Centre, Haggerty for people who love cars. Coming up at the end of the race, our Michelin post-race tech interviews with the leading drivers. There's Westbrook then climbing the hill in the Ford. And as Ben said, struck way down, fifth place right in front of him. He's gaining uh, on those guys and trying to get a lap back. Now, Pit stop. Pissed off with Kenton Cook. Uh, Kenton Cook from second position uh, has come into the pit lane. 35 minutes gone. Well, do we think then Nick Damon with 35 minutes gone, the bright pink pink number 80, will go the whole way? The other thing is, is he going to take tyres, Nick? Well, I think this is the point. I think, yes, I think they will go the whole way for two reasons. One, because these are very carefully modelled on GTE cars. And all of us who work in the WEC know a GTE car will do an hour in a pit stop. But don't forget, they're going to have three or four laps of uh, competition yellow. So they'll be you know, not using fuels who there. So this is the opening, I think, of the still being able to go for it pit stop window for fuel. Tyres, probably not. What you would do now is you would come out and you would take it quite easy uh, to give yourself life towards the end. I think you have this, because you've got this competition yellow, it gives you a chance just to settle down in the middle period of the race and run there or thereabouts, but not you haven't got to push it. You haven't got to burn it because you've got that... Fa- oh, and we now lost one of the... Uh, was that Van Gisbergen who's just been pushed off? Uh, it was definitely one of the Ian Vassar Sullivan cars uh, that was just coming down through really curve from the corkscrew and... Let's see who drops down the field. Shane was in seventh position. Uh, I think it's second. Uh, ben, sorry. Yeah, he still looks good in seventh position. So perhaps one of his teammates. Well, that might have been Townsend who's uh, been lapped, I think. John Edwards comes into the pits from eighth position. Uh, all happening uh, in front of the leader. Yeah, it was the lapped carts. Townsend Bell. A most speed car ahead as well with the Porsche with the damaged rear end. And, yep, Mosby car into Bell and both of them disappearing. That was the leader. That was in front of the leader, Rodrigo Fluca, in the 47. Drives for 47 Motorsport, or has done in the past, and Rodrigo doing a cracking job uh, at the head of the field, has not been challenged. Well, I say that. First couple of laps, Nick, when, Nick, when the, the tyres were a little bit cold, it looked like Kenton Cook had a slightly better Ford than the Paul Sitter. There, but once the, what, lap three, lap four, Rodrigo settled into uh, his pace, and I thought he's, he's done a sparkling job, to be honest. He's- no, he's looked absolutely, absolutely solid as a rock. You know, that's of course the other reason why you perhaps don't want to take tyres unless you take them during the competition yellow, because they are of course cold when you put them back on again. So, I do think this is going to be a, a all the top drivers will try and get there on this set of tyres. They'll try and do a bit of tyre saving rather than fuel saving during this uh, middle period of the race. But certainly. Um, uh, Fluka really has been a, a revelation. Uh, the Peruvian driver, he's, he's come come in the the four car and he's shown it so far to the BMWs. Yeah, the man from so Lima in Peru. Stops. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. 
Uh, we've got other pit stops. Uh, John Edwards in for pits. 15.3 seconds stationary. Nick Tandy, 14.5 seconds stationary, uh, which me- makes Kenton Cox uh, pit stop uh, at 16.5 seconds. Quite long. Now more into the pits. Richard Westbrook and Sebastian Prio. And I think Harry Ticknell, Tristan Votier as well. Lots visiting the pits now. So the reverse, John, of what we saw in Sebring. In yes. that, that pe- people are going early, and I believe that's again for the competition. Yeah, but they have effectively timed it to the fuel. Right, we can get to the end, fuel it up, we can get to the end, and let's then take the tactics and where it is from there when the competition yellow comes out and then look and see what we can do in that end part of the race. Down the hill for the BMW of the Team Austria car. That's uh, Philippe Eng sitting in fourth position at the moment, but the leading cars, the top, what is it, seven now, down to Van Gisbergen, have not yet stopped. Best of the pit stoppers in eighth position. Kenton Cook uh, in that bright pink number 80. Where is he going to come out? As Bortolotti, Eng and Katzberg are battling for third position. Philippe Eng in the 26 car. Just ahead of Katzberg and just behind Bortolotti. And that's Spengler actually. Spengler now in a second place with Bertolotti in third as the fourth position car is Philippe Eng in that red and white machine. So got the first and second place cars close together. Spengler without Kenton Cook ahead of him, gentlemen, has closed in. Fluker perhaps a little conservative through traffic. Stuck in behind one of the Porsches. That's Lawrence Vantor, I think. Yes, it is. It's and Vantor. Vantor's been a... He's been a moving chicane for the last couple of corners. He's just not getting out of the way, not helping at all. And it is bringing Bruno Spengler right into the mix here. This has been half a lap where Vanthor has just not got out of the way. And he would know that it's the leader behind him because he'll get a flag in the car, a uh, passing flag. And also he has the, the correct uh, um, relative distance uh, button on. You can see where you are in relation to other cars around you. So I'm not surprised that there's some, some light flashing going on here because Vantor really should get out of the way. And now this is the last time I looked, uh, Spengler was 3.3 seconds behind uh, Fluka. Now it's down to just 0.3. Well, I, I wonder if there might be a little bit of damage on the leader as well. Can't see it with that dark colour car, but it looks like there might be a bit of damage on the left front of that car. But certainly the pace is eased to 21-3 last time around by Fluka, who eventually finally does get through. Looks like there might have been some contact to the back of Vanto's car as well. But Spengler is right there as he tries to battle for the lead before a pit stop. Got to be thinking pit stop sometime soon. How far are these guys going to try and stretch it? The BMWs, remember, went long into the race at Sebring, and that's what really won them it. They had super pace, but they went long into the race. A short fill, no new Michelins. I'm not sure whether they'll be able to do that here. Tony Vlander in the Ferrari, the 63 car, pitting from the mid-teens for what he'll hope will be his one pit stop. Fluker then, and Spengler, first and second, on the same part of the circuit as they come round to the final left-hander at turn number 11. And onto the front straight, they stay out for another lap. 42 minutes, call it, elapsed now. So 52 minutes to go. This is marvellous stuff. And gentlemen, how good is this, Ben, to see Ford BMW, Ford BMW, 
BMW, Porsche in the top six. This is more like it. This is what we were hoping to see at Sebring. But, of course, the Ford runners as... Uh, who's the blue car that we were talking about earlier on? That was the blue Porsche, uh, wasn't it? Uh, it's off at the right-hand side of turn three. Uh, we were expecting the Fords to be a factor at Sebring, Ben, but they all got caught up in early accidents. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, three and a half seconds separate those six cars you just listed. Van Gisbergen in seventh is about seven seconds back from the lead group. But the lead group is, uh, what, four cars in one camera shot. It is so close. And all thanks to Lawrence Van Thor, another car exiting stage left there in the courts crew. And Townsend Bell, yeah, getting himself caught up in more problems. Uh, Has he done an IndyCar race yet, Townsend? Because I don't think, uh, I think he should stay in the commentary box for that one. Uh, I think think uh, Townsend Bell will be getting the Mark Allen Award uh, at the uh, end of this. He'd not be happy with that. Uh, Some fantastic passing going on in the traffic with all this confusion. Lawrence Vantour has really thrown things up right down the inside. That was Nicky Katzberg. Uh, That was a pass for position, was it? Yes, he's already gone past Gouven. So he had gone through. Fantastic pass there. And he's come straight into the pits at the end of the lap. So he'd gone by Gouven and then went past to dive down the inside of the lapped car. Very impressive stuff by Nicky Katzberg, who's now in the pits. So still now the top six have not pitted. And I think he's the first real serious BMW works contender to pit. So expect the rest of them to follow suit soon. Tristan Vertier was the next BMW down the edge, uh, down the, the timing scoring who had a significant pit stop. We have seen Jesse Crone and Robbie Foley in the pits, but they've only done a couple of seconds in pit lane. So that was early doors for damage. At IMSA Radio, if you want to uh, get in touch, as Earl Bamba, the other half of Van Thorpe. Uh, uh, Bamthor, excuse me, that's a first. He says Lawrence Van Tour called a moving kid. He's laughing his head <laughs> off. <laughs> Earl, it's about time you were here, mate. Second place into the pit lane. That was Spengler, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The number seven comes into the pit lane. Fluke is going long. Rodrigo Fluke is going long. Now, remember, we are going to get a competition yellow at some stage, and you don't want to get caught the wrong side of it. The leader sitting out there now, if he was... If the safety car comes out now, he's going to give that up and he's going to get a whole load of cars go by him. Where is Kenton Cook? Kenton he's Cook. Gone. He's had, Kenton's had a bad lap. He had a 135 lap. Oh, yes. And, drop behind, and so he's dropped behind AJ Alvindinger as the fastest of the stoppers and behind the Katzberg as well. So Kenton Cook has gone off track somewhere and lost 15 seconds. Uh, yeah, and so that means that uh, it's going to be Nicky Katzberg who's going to be the top pit stopper. Uh, Spengler is still in the pits. And here is Kenton Cook with the similarly coloured front end of the Ford sitting in behind him. So Kenton having dropped down to 11th position with Shinya Mishimi uh, behind him there. So it's the back end of Kenton's car. Looks like it's moving around a bit. So maybe he's worked the Michelin tyres just a little bit hard. Shinya deciding that he wants to give the old... 20 horsepower boost to his car and flash the headlights into the pit lane, the leader. The le- I, I thought he had to come in, had to come in because it was dangerous that he was going to get caught. Following him in is Philip Eng, who was right with him. And also, uh, can uh, Gouven as well, as Kenton Cook goes wide again, that looks to me, Nick Damon, as though Kenton has lost 
lost the grip on those tyres. Is that just because he's had the pit stop? No, I think this 15 seconds he lost has resulted in an off-track incident, which is he's now got some damage. And he's, now, he's got a car carrying damage. And this is a fantastic example of what happens. You just imperceptibly lose time everywhere. So he is going to be slow unless he comes in to fix it, which he could do under the competition yellow. Um, now he might get a little uh, bit of a, uh, an aerodynamic toe down to get back past again. But this is a problem. Once you've got the damage, the car is just slow and it's slow until you fix it. New leader then is Mirko Bortolotti on the pit stop cycle. He owes us a run down the pit lane. Remember what we were saying in our Porsche keys to the race. No damage. Got to have the got to have the consistent pace. What are you going to do with the tyres? And you've got to play the fuel game with the competition yellow. Hearing from the pit lane that Rodrigo Fluga is fixing damage in the pit lane. So we did see a wee bit of damage on Fluka's car. And that's going to cost him the lead when he comes back out as in comes Bortolotti. So who's going to go through into the lead? It'll be Spengler. Spengler and Katzberg, the BMW twins, are going to go through and retake the lead as Spengler comes down the hill to Rainy Kirk. And it's all come right. Now, interestingly, um, a decision that that Fluka made, because you can choose not to have um, non-essential repairs made. You can skip it in the the program. But he's decided that he wants to, or he perhaps pressed the wrong button. He's decided to take that fix, take the mid. But don't forget, of course, in this, if you don't go the lap down during this uh, uh, next session, there will be a competition yellow. So whilst they've lost track position, he will be back right behind the other cars as far as time is concerned. So what are we at now? Half distance, effectively. We're a minute and a half, 90 seconds away from exactly halfway through the 90 minutes. And now from the top seven not having pitted, the top seven have all pitted. Uh, Matthias Leiston and Alessandro Balzan got inside the top 10, but that was on the pit stop cycle. They're both in the pit lane now in their Ford and Ferrari, respectively. Uh, res- respectively. So Spengler and Katzberg have played the long game, Ben Constantinus. They were there or thereabouts. Katzberg's had the best of the pit stop, uh, the pit stop cycle, really, hasn't he? Second position and right on the tail of his teammate. He has, but his pit stop was slow. It was 25.1 seconds stationary. So uh, he did a very good job of getting through the pit lane uh, well. 42 seconds through the lane, 25 seconds stopped. Bruno Spengler was 40 seconds in the lane, but only 15 seconds stopped. So didn't maximise the approach to the pit lane. Um, but uh, with Katzberg now, we've got BMW 123, as we did in the Sebring. And and really, it seems to be that the, uh, the Fords have fallen away Thanks to the pit stop cycle, as you've been talking about, Rodrigo, 46 seconds and bang goes his lead. Yeah, down into 10th position for Rodrigo Fluke. The Paul Manu had not been headed, but got caught up, remember, with Lawrence Van Ter. And I just wonder if there was a little bit of pushing going on there. There seemed to be a bit of damage on the left front of the Ford. Difficult to see with the dark coloured car and the right rear of the Porsche Avantour as if he tried to go down the inside at a right-hander and there might have been a bit of contact there. That's pure speculation. Uh, we'll see if we can talk to Rodrigo maybe at the end of the race. What could he do now then from what is now ninth position as Robbie Paul Foley pits for Turner Motorsport uh, from the top ten and therefore drops down. Philippe Eng looking decent at the moment and is crawling back more than that. He's got back to the leaders, Nick Damon, and that uh, 
BMW caution. Trio. Oh, full course caution. Good spot. Here is the competition yellow. Only one driver hasn't taken a pit stop in the top half of the field. That's Colin Brown. Uh, Riley Dickerson hasn't either. So they will get a free pit stop. But this is going to bunch up the field. Yeah, and interestingly, John, uh, Kenton, Kenton Cook, um, he isn't suffering damage. Obviously, he must be suffering a slight nervousness after throwing it off the previous lap because he is now back up to speed again. His disadvantage, which was, I think, about 15 seconds a lap ago, is going to disappear. So he's just going to be in seventh place with the pace he had before. He's fastest um, man last time around. Fastest yeah. uh, man on the track last time around. So Fluker as well will, will, will go up to ninth. Um, and he has repaired his car. Now, usually, that longer repair will bring it full back to full health. Sometimes it isn't quite that, but he should be back to full health as well. So the Fords, whilst they've lost track position, they are now back in the game and not behind this trio of BMWs who've, who've just almost slithered their way to the front. They've just come in in no way. No way we even saw it happening. Yeah. Suddenly there's three BMWs at the start. You know, four we, BMWs. Uh, sorry, three BMWs, a Ford and a Porsche in the top five. AJ Allmendinger now up the sixth. He's had a good run through. I think, at the start of the pit stop cycle, he was just 10th or maybe 10th or 11th. Kenton Cook in the 80, the bright pink car, uh, in 7th position. Then Jesse Cron, 3rd place at Sebring, running 8th here. Then Rodrigo Fluker. Well, you know he's got pace. Fastest man in practice and qualifying and rounding off the top 10. Sebastian Prio, first time we've called his name uh, in anger today. And Nick Tandy in 11th in the 9-11. What about the Porsche, though, of Ayachan uh, uh, Guven? in at fifth position lot of experience there the pace car the porsche safety car has picked up the leader bruno spengler and will lead them round the pits have been closed they will open for anybody who wants to take a pit stop now they should be open yeah, now so, John, um, Shane Van Gisbergen was another man to lose a lot of time in pit stops. His pit stop was a 43-second stop, so he was repairing some damage. Right. We do have a couple of cars coming into pit lane, and I was expecting to see Jesse Crone come into the pits. Yes, they, he has made a pit stop, but his pit stop was only 4.4 seconds, and it was some 16 laps ago, but he hasn't dropped into pit no, lane. No, but Tandy Nick has. Tandy has. Now, Nick Tandy has. Now, what's that about? Has he put... I wonder if he's put a new set of tyres on. He shouldn't need fuel. As far as I can... Oh, uh, has he only pitted... He has already pitted once. In comes Colin yeah, yeah. Brown for his first pit stop. That makes sense. Uh, Parker Chase will probably drop into the lane uh, as well in the BMW M8 because he hasn't stopped yet so what's tandy doing 11th position and looking good of course nick if there's any damage on your car now and you want to have full performance towards the end of the race dropping into the pits putting a new set of michelins on all right you're going to take pain for three or four or five laps but then you're going to have pace towards the the back end of the race yeah i mean i think nick's got i'm not knowing whether he's got damage or not but he has nothing to lose he's in 11th place and you know everyone else is going well he can probably get to eighth best of all by coming in now taking new tires getting out again and getting some warmth into the tires you know he'll be, they won't be far off what these guys are they're losing temperature as you would do in a in a, a real world car so that he'll be yep. closer on that level he might be at the back but he's going to have a car that's fully fixed on fresh tires better than everyone else give it a go so this is how they stand is we're going to come back to green i think next time around bruno spengler uh, i've been told at least 
two, well, at least one more after this one. At least one more after this one. So Spengler from Katzberg from Eng, the three BMWs. Bertolotti, the first of the Fords in the Triple H. Then uh, uh, Ichan Guven in the first of the Porsches. Then it's more Fords. Look at the blue ovals. They are dominating the top ten, but they're just not in uh, terms of podium positions at the moment. Yessi Kron in there. The pole sitter, Rodrigo Fluger, after that damage when he was stuck in behind Lawrence Vantour, is now back in this. Uh, Tandy, uh, Ben Constantinus, you've checked that out. What was the pit stop for for Tandy? He came in from 11th. He came in from 11th and sacrificed a huge amount of track position, but he's got brand new tyres for the second half of this race. For the moment, nobody else has got that kind of rubber advantage. Uh, let's see how that affects him in uh, the next 40 minutes. He's dropped down to 22nd position. Uh, Pat Long. Ah, Pat Long did start the race, even though we didn't see him qualifying. And he's worked his way up then from 47th position to 31st in the Haggerty, the black and white Haggerty insurance car, just ahead of Paul Holton in the 76 Compass Racing BMW. That's going to take some getting used to talking to uh, talking about because they're not a brand that Compass have been involved with. I think it's a real mark, gentlemen, of just how important this series is that we have teams like Ian Vassar Sullivan who are Lexus like Compass who are normally McLaren Nick Damon but they've brought their colour schemes, they've brought their drivers they've brought their IMSA numbers where possible and their uh, and their team drivers into this uh, in, into this event happy birthday to tony gardner the president of i racing we've got the balloons hey i want that for my birthday drew yeah. i definitely want that for my my birthday uh, it's been a very busy time for everybody uh, at i racing to all of you there at boston all of the crew who are working night and day and i know that when i say that that's absolutely true uh, for drew leading our broadcast team uh, in massachusetts at the moment uh, he hasn't been asleep for quite a long time, but he is a very happy man, and he was absolutely pumped up at the start of this race. I get to hear him him in my ear. Effectively, he's the TV producer and director, and uh, it's been a great job from him. Drew, thanks very much, and once again, happy birthday to the president of iRacing, Tony Gardner. It would be remiss of us to say, oh sorry, it would be rude of us to say uh, how old he is, but if you'd counted the balloons there, you would have had some kind of idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, one more lap of green. green. We're going green, we're going green, we're going green. Back to green, flag racing. Bruno Sprenger leads them to the line with the Porsche safety car back in a cracking restart by Spengler in the seven and a little bit of a dozy one from Merkel Bortolotti wasn't right up the tailpipes of the BMWs ahead of him. Philip Eng, then the one who stayed closest to his competition in the red and white car in third position. Where's the Porsche? Still sitting there for Guven, the Turkish driver in fifth. Then AJ Allmendinger, uh, another Ford in sixth position. Kenton Cook, where's Kenton? Oh, Kenton's lost a couple of positions. Oh, no, he's got lapped cars. That's what it was. That was a lapped car. So Kenton Cook has got, I think that's Lawrence Vanto uh, in there. Because Nick Tandy will be further back down the field. There is Kenton. And he has just lost a position to Yessi Cron. And that was as they were fighting through past some back markers. 
So they both lost a little bit of time. In behind Kenton then is Rodrigo Fluca in the red, white and black Ford. That's the car was on pole position. Great exit from the corkscrew from Kenton in that all pink number 80, even with the pink wheels as well. But he couldn't make it stick on Jesse Cron, who's just taken that position from him. The leading three BMWs then onto the start finish line in that long drag to the finish line. That gentleman could be... Oh, Kenton's gone white. I think he, that was a little bit of a bump and run by the 47 of Rodrigo Fluker. And now he's side by side with Sebastian Prior in the Multimatic sponsored car. And so Kenton once again not getting Nick Damon the best of it from the restart. And he was so good on cool tyres at the start of the race. Yeah, he looked, he looked very, very good, but he's been muscled out by a couple of his uh, his teammates and, and also Jesse Caron in the BMW. But this is Sebastian Priya, who obviously had some minor connection problems early on, but the car's been running well, and now he's beginning to make his move. And this second half of the race, it's now a run to the finish. We've got, what, 30-something uh, minutes left to go. So, And this is the, the point where you can 35 minutes left, and you can push as hard as you like with whatever you've got left in the tyres. They should all have fuel to the end. Will Nick Tandy's uh, idea work? And really can, you know... Rodrigo uh, Fluke make the most of his pace and get past the cars and back yeah, up the front good again. Point. Uh, the Porsche well, Nick, that was I've in there, by the way. Just hang on a second, Ben. Uh, the Porsche that was in there was Cody Ware, the 51 car, the Rick Ware racing car. He's a couple of laps down. Sorry, Ben, go ahead. Uh, I'm afraid we've got an answer already for Nick Tandy's question. He's been back in the pits. He we've got a toe into the pit lane. Oh, that's it. I think He's he done. had an accident at turn one. Uh, I can't get it on my screen, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, he's well out of it now. Uh, a couple of others also got tangled up in some kind of an accident on that restart. So no idea whether that strategy was going to work. I still think that Jesse Crone uh, does owe us a pit stop, though. Only has pitted for 4.4 seconds. Well, let's see what he could do from where he is at the moment in seventh position. So the, the gamble for Tandy was coming back out in traffic and having to make up uh, positions. And that was the gamble that didn't pay off uh, as the BMWs once again begin to uh, begin to spread their wings. And there's a new second place there. You'll have noticed that Philip Eng has gone through to second on Nicky Katzberg. It happened going up the hill. Ooh. Oh, just put the left... Uh, sorry, the right rear Michelin on the dirt. Katzberg turning into turn five and a masterful piece of uh, recovery there. More than a dab of auto, uh, oppo from Nicky the Cat. Katzberg uh, got cat-like reflexes there, uh, Nick Damon, to keep that car on the circuit. Yeah, and it's the history of pleasing yourself because in Sebring he ran the perfect race. He made that one mistake and lost the and lost the lead. Oh, and uh, that's Fluka. Oh, no. Fluka. Fluka is off in a multi-car accident. Uh, there's a BMW in there out? as well. That's Kron, isn't it? That's uh, Katzberg too. Yeah, Katz. Uh, 24. 24 car. No, that's the 24 it's car. Just a Kron. Yeah, that's just a Kron. Yeah. So they're coming straight back into the pits. There's going to be a scramble at the back of the the field. Uh, and that was a multi-car incident. That was Rodrigo Fluke. And it looks to me as though there were several cars involved. Fluke in the 47 then behind Katzberg coming to the corkscrew. And did Katzberg get wide? Yeah, Katzberg on the dirt. Now, well, that's all right there. Down to really. Oh, that's not a place to go through, Rodrigo. That was not a place to go through. And that is heavy contact. Ooh. 
stuck his nose in where it wasn't wanted. You've got to be far more alongside there, Nick, if you're going to make that move. It's a power move, but oh. you've really got to be side by side. Yeah, and it was Jesse Crone, the very similar paint scheme to, to Katzberg that got involved there. Oh, That's taken two, two cars out, and the, uh, the big winner out of that good. one is the, uh, the the stealthy 913 Porsche junior driver, Iron Chan uh, Grieven, who's now got up to fourth, really, just by staying on the road. Well, he was he was quick in the second half of, of the first set of tyres, wasn't he? Uh, ben Goofen. He did a really good job of picking his way through. Didn't try to go too fast too early. Is that one of the leaders out there? That's the Motul car, isn't it? That's gone wide there. That's the Faf racing car. Uh, and that car off at the first corner. So that was Lars Kern, I think, that's just gone wide there uh, with the uh, Canadian lumberjack colours on the front of that car. So much of, of this. Uh, ben Constant-Juris with the three BMWs now, Spengler, Eng and Katzberg with Guven in fourth position. But so much of this is just hitting your marks, keeping the car in one piece and being there towards the end of the race. Uh, isn't that motorsport in a nutshell? Well, just absolutely. making sure you can pretty much do a perfect lap every single lap. And for some reason, sim racing really, really makes you focus the mind on that, on joining the dots, on getting those apexes, getting those exits, getting the power down. And it, it seems almost like a purified version uh, of the real thing. For some reason, maybe the fear in my brain anyway, um, <laughs> and the kind of the, the, the other senses take over from that simple science of just joining the dots and getting everything sorted. Well, when we spoke to uh, the BMW drivers after Sebring, I think it was Katzberg that said that the concentration levels in some ways are actually higher in the sim world because you don't have the uh, all of the cues that you would have in the car. You don't have the G-force. You don't feel the car moving around. It's all about the visual. Yes, you get some feedback from the steering wheel and from the brake pedal for when you're locking up a, a wheel, but the rest of it is all visual. Therefore, the concentration is turned up to not just 11 probably 11 to stupid nick to be honest yeah yeah i mean it is amazing not having your internal gyroscope is a major limiting factor in in how you interpret what's going on if you think about it, you go uphill or downhill mm. when you brake or accelerate you, uh, or turn left or right your body is physically moved around now you do get feedback through the force feedback steering wheels. it's incredibly important because it tells you what the front wheels are doing if you're locking them if you're getting understeer or oversteer but it is so hard, and that's and I find when I'm doing, I'm racing. I'm sure Ben found it earlier today that you have to give it a hundred percent concentration because you have to get, tune in those very small feedback you're getting rather than the, the overall feedback you normally get from a racing car. Looking at a couple of Fords coming down to the final part of the circuit, a little bit of a half spin for the Porsche, and that's dropped him a couple of positions. Bertolotti, Almendinger. And Van Gisbergen have gone through. So Gouven, after we... That was the absolutely Ben Constantius, the curse of the commentator there, <laughs> as we'd been bigging him up about how he'd done such a good job as the battle for the lead is on again. And looks like Spengler got held up there by another BMW with Katzberg in third, Bertolotti, Bortolotti, the first of the Fords, then Almendinger, then Van Gisbergen in sixth position. And you can't count the giz out. Never count out the giz. 
So the two leaders. Well, he's now called Pastor Maldonado on, uh, according to Max Verstappen. Really? That's for the uh, in the supercars race, he was called Pastor for the whole race because apparently he's very well known for shunting in eye racing. But so far, so good here, anyway. Hashtag blame Ben. By the way, when it all goes horribly <laughs> wrong. Well, Bruno Spengler is in position here, Nick, to make it two wins from two outings with. Uh, just over an hour and six minutes uh, on the clock of elapsed time. Uh, and we'll start to think with 30 minutes, just under 30 minutes uh, of the race to go. Now it's starting to count back uh, from the end of the race. Uh, and we are predicting, and what are we predicting in terms of laps uh, it is around about a 1 minute 19 lap. So that's going to be about 14, 15 laps from here. Ninth and 10th, Robbie Forley. He's had an up and down race. Sits in ninth at the moment with Sebastian Priot. You can probably say the same about him uh, as well. As the uh, two of the drivers I thought we'd be talking about battling gentlemen for at least a podium position, yeah. but both of them, Nick Damon, have had their issues, not necessarily of their own making. Yeah, we saw Foley, of course, disappearing off into the, the boondocks at one point. And if you're looking on board now, you can see that uh, Prio's car has some damage on it, on that uh, front right fender. So, yeah, I mean, they are both racing under slight limitations of what's happened previously in the event. But, uh, yeah, just talking about Spengler, you would think that at this point, you know, in, in Sebring, he, he was aged to, to get away and, and clearly lead. But there's so much more traffic now and so many more chances for Engel Katzberg to capitalise on the leader being held up. Almendinger has just gone around uh, and that was his chance of a top 10 finish disappearing. He'd done so well in the number 60 car and just a little bit too much of the right foot there, Ben, I think. Yeah, just dipped a wheel over the kerb and onto the dust and it's enough to spin the car around. We saw it with Westbrook earlier and we've seen it with him now. We saw it with uh, uh, Gouven as well, made exactly the same errors at different corners. But it's just, you know, once you get your wheel over the kerb and on the other side of the dirt, there is no grip and round you go. Uh, so we've got... Uh, uh, Gubin in six, so he's back up to six. Yeah. Van Gisbergen into the top five, but Almendinger, I was about to say, actually, you know, Almendinger pitted uh, a long 25 laps ago in comparison to a lot of the others who pitted only 15 laps ago. He was on, on a really nice strategy, just falling himself into the top five, but now just about in the top 10 and promoted that battle we were watching before with Foley and Prio into the top 10. And it's that evil turn six, John, uh, for the Ray House straight. That is the nasty. It's not the corkscrew. That is the nastiest corner at Laguna Seca, as far as I'm concerned. It's picking your turning point that I think everybody finds so difficult. Now, those of you who can see the pictures, I accept that there'll be some of you following along on uh, IMSA Radio and RS2. But if you can see the pictures, just look at how much dirt and sand is starting to get pulled onto the track. Look at how much uh, tired uh, tyre degradation we've seen so you've got a bit of marbles off the racing line as well and Ben you know because you race in iRacing uh, as well as Nick does if you get offline that is really slippery out there 
the track has now progressed to a point where it is fully rubbered in and therefore that uh, means there's a lot of marbles on the outside as well. Uh, and just like in the real world, if you dip your wheel over those uh, off the racing line onto the marbles, you are going to pick those up. And it does take time for the tyres to then clean up. You need to really scrub the tyres and get rid of those balls of rubber, make them flat, make them stick, or at least rip them off the tyre. Uh, because uh, really, you've got to now the marks are even more important. Stick to the racing line; it's more rubbered up than the rest of it. It'll offer you more grip, uh, and then you can just consistently bang in those laps. Here's Tristan Vautier, thirteenth position for Tristan Vautier. Yeah, yeah, Richard Highstand uh, ahead of him, and that's the battle on the track at the moment. Richard in the Ford GT just disappearing down under one of the walkover bridges that's down towards the diving left-hand corner at turn nine rainy curve and now down into turn 10 tick all of that curb on the inside got to really hit those bright orange markers on the apices of the corners all the way down to first gear for the final corner i still think gentlemen that we, if we do get a battle at the front of the field and there's still only 1.3 seconds between Spengler and Philippe Eng and then another two seconds back to Katzberg, getting off the final corner is going to be super important as the Michelin's wear towards the end of this race because it's a long, long way to the, to the finish line and the chequered flag, Nick, from the final corner. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely a chance of an over and under drag and just, just really going for it. I mean, the, the question is, you know, what we can't see is whether these whilst they're driving the same sort of car, both got BMW M8 GTs, both going the same sort of speed, Spengler and Eng, are they running the same level of wear on their tyres? Because it really depends how you've looked after them. If you're throwing the car in and getting understeer and scraping it away, that will wear tyres in the, in the sim as it would wear them for real. So are they running with the same amount of tyre, same amount of grip? And is there a situation where Eng can sit back for 15 minutes and then really go for it in the last three laps, make up this second he's behind and start challenging Spengler? You just feel, I do feel that Eng is more likely to be a serious contender to Spengler's victory than Katzberg was at Sebring. Yeah, don't disagree with that. That's Nick Damon, Ben Constant-Juris and me, John Hindorf in the Haggerty Insurance Global Broadcast Centre. Haggerty for people who love cars. Well, we are loving the racing here. Prio Olmendinger and John Edwards now battling for the minor places in the top 10, 9th, 10th and 11th position. Sebastian Prio then in the white and blue Multimatic Ford. Meantime, that looks like Giz van Giesbergen. No, it's, it is van Giesbergen. He's caught Bortolotti. And that's for fourth and fifth position. Bortolotti gets a little touch from van Gies going up to turn six. Well, there it is. It's the Maldonado effect that Ben was talking about just a few moments ago. Giesbergen, van Giesbergen's gone through into fourth position. But there was, for me, certainly Nick Damon there, there was a little bit of trading pain. <laughs> Let's have another look at it and see what it looks like on replay. I'll tell you what, John, this was a real an eye race. There'd be an eye rate person. Hey, mate, you hit me. What are you doing? As he as he moved him out the way. But uh, Van Gisbergen had just put in one his fastest, oh. in his own fastest lap, a 119.1. So he had found some pace at the back end of this race. So perhaps Van Gisbergen is a podium contender now. Well, I, I think he is. And I've got to say, Bortolotti did not help himself there. He was weaving around coming up to turn six and he went in on completely the wrong line and then locked up the Michelins. Van Giesbergen was on the right line and just wanted to make sure he got the 
clear run up the hill. Now, there was contact. I'm pleased that I don't have to make any uh, race control decisions. I just wonder how Bo Barfield, our IMSA race director, would have viewed that one. But Bortolotti certainly not helping his cause there by getting it all wrong going into the corner before he was touched by the M. Vassar Sullivan car of Van Gisbergen behind him. Now, let's go a little bit... Sorry, go ahead. He's trying to shut the door again, this time on Gouven. Yes. Uh, and he's moving around in front of him. And it's difficult to know when you're in a sim, you don't necessarily know the proportions of your car. So you do have a spotter that will tell you if you're clear or not. But that spotter n- sometimes isn't necessarily totally accurate. So I think he may have moved across when he thought he was clear and Van Gisbergen's nose was still there. But Borsalotti's got a lot, a lot of attention now. Gouven, one of the fastest men in the race, and Kenton Cook, who definitely should be further up, both trying to get past him now. Yeah, and that is the battle for fifth position, of course. Gouven trying to go around the outside into the Andretti hairpin, flat out round the outside. I think Bortolotti's running out of grip, you know, and here comes Kenton Cook in the pink Ford as well. Kenton, who started on the front row and looked pretty strong earlier on, he and Gouven. Now, they don't really want to be battling here with just under 20 minutes to go. They need to get past Bortolotti and they could be in still yet with the chance of a pole position if they have got the strategy right and they've got the pace at the end of the race. And somebody just made a very good point online to me. These guys have got to have got a setup that is going to allow these tyres to last the full length of the race. That is not easy. These Michelins probably are going to be at a stretch by the end of the 90-minute encounter. So which manufacturer has managed to set their car up best to keep the tyres and the pace up. I mean, the pace is still fantastic. British Bengler is still as fast as he ever was after 51 laps. Uh, yeah, so he's certainly not wearing right now. 119.4 and 119.6, his last two laps. His best is a 119.3. Shinja Mishimi's just put in an 18.9. I think that might be the fastest lap of the race. Uh, I can't see anybody else faster than that. But he's well down now, Shinya, in the Ford, uh, down in 20th position. And right on, in fact, I think he might have just dropped off the lead lap, in fact. So the battle for the lead, Spengler versus Eng, 1.1 seconds. Battle for fifth, three cars with Kenton Cook in seventh. Uh, Anishan Gouven in sixth and Bortolotti maybe struggling for grip in fifth position. Leader kicking up a little bit of dirt on the exit of turn six there. Spengler is feeling the pace. Nick Damon, this is starting to get interesting and we've still got nearly 18 minutes to go. Yeah, this is, this is getting very close. Philip Eng is keeping uh, Spengler about a second and 2.1 away. They're not gaining on each other. And there's a very good point that Ben made is that these cars are set up to run the tyres. But, you know, the point about it is they have been running in a point where they're going fast enough not to put serious damage through the tyres. And now there's a chance where we get to the last few minutes to start going a bit quicker. Just a quick point about going up the hill towards the corkscrew. That, that dust on the side is not an effect. It is actually properly you know modeled sand and if you get on that you got again you run out of grip yeah and that happens very very quickly uh, uh or as we have seen uh if you just drop off one of the uh, michelins it uh, all goes sideways very quickly i'm afraid so gentlemen into getting down towards the last 15 minutes the top 
10. Let's not take our eyes off this one, but let's at least give you a Mazda race rundown in audio at least. In 10th, Richard Highstand in the Ford GT. Kenton Cook. Oh, battle for the lead side by side. And through goes Eng. Traffic involved in that. Absolutely. And a touch for second place. Spengler. So Eng has gone through. So that was another BMW again slowing down the faster cars at the front of the field. Going up the rear it's house Paul straight. It's Paul Holton in the Compass car. Good spot, Ben. Thank you very much indeed. Extraordinary stuff. And Spengler will be frustrated and irate about that, I would think, Ben, because he was controlling the race. Yes, he was under pressure, but there'd not been any real serious a- attempt to get a pass in from, uh, from Philippe Eng. Oh, this is appalling. I've just had a look at the replay, and you're about to see it now. Paul Holton is coming back onto the circuit, having spun. There he is. And Spengler has to jump on the brakes, and that allows Philip Eng to carry the speed through the corner. And actually, it's a pretty easy pass for Eng in the end. That was a brilliant piece of uh, of anticipation, I suppose, Nick Damon, by Philip Eng in the Team Austria BMW, the, the number 26. Yeah, uh, great. the 26 car. Go ahead. Yeah, great driving. I mean, and, and interestingly, I don't want to claim my uh, you know, my crystal ball award, but I did say this was going to be the difference between this race and the Sebring race. That while Spengler could settle down in Sebring, here the traffic was going to play a major point. And obviously, it's one of the things that is most annoying in any race, be it uh, real world or scale, when someone comes in and, and you get involved in their accident that was nothing to do with you. And frankly, um, you know that that particular car has been involved in two or three instances now where he's, he's spoiling people's days. Yeah, yeah, there was a guy in, uh, in my iRace earlier doing exactly the same thing, Nick Damon. Wasn't me. <laughs> no, no, boys. I never, I never, I, no, no, I never saw him. I saw him off the track, and then I let him, I let him go back later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is going to be a talking point, isn't it, when we get to Michelin post-race tech. It's one of the really cool things about sim racing, actually, just going quickly back to it. We're watching these professional drivers driving their, the cars that they would normally drive in the real world. And if you do have iRacing, and once this race has ended, uh, you can just jump into these, this exact car and race in this exact circuit and do exactly what these guys are doing and compare yourself. See if you can get down to a 19.7 because, uh, you know, not something you can do in the real world, but something very much available to you in this virtual world. And I don't take credit for that one. That is uh, Jimmy Broadbent, who came up with that the other day. And I just thought, yeah, bang on. So Ben Consiguris, Nick Damon is also with us in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre as we're moving into the money laps now uh, of this. Oh, and a huge shunt right in front of the battle for the lead. The 26 car of Philippe Eng. That is the leader. That was the leader. And he was caught up. So through goes Spengler. Live by the bat marker. Die by the bat marker. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. Nick Damon, the drama. I, what happened there was a Ferrari, another car, and suddenly he's just the, the, the cars crash in front of you. There is no path to go. You sit there going, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I aim for the accident? And just whoomph, there's another BMW goes round on the start finish straight. It's sudden, the tyres must be going, John. The tyres must be going. Yeah, I think now people are struggling for grip. So the the leader in behind one of the M Vassa Sullivan cars that looks ah that was the that was you're right it was a Ferrari that was struggling from turn six the M Vassa Sullivan car was an innocent party as was the uh, leader and Philippe Eng then in the pit lane his race for the 
win at least is over. My goodness. Uh, Corey Fergus was the guy who was recovering from a spin uh, and just coming, uh, kind of lost control as he came back onto the circuit. Parker Chase was the other BMW. Yeah, yeah Parker a, in the Invasa Sullivan car. But he, uh, that wasn't his, that wasn't Parker's fault. Uh, the, the Ferrari recovering in the middle of the track. A again, uh, it was uh, somebody who'd had an incident at turn six that started it all off. Yeah, oh, no. drama. Bruno Spengler, Nicky Katzberg, just as it was <laughs> in Sebring a few weeks ago. But Van Gisbergen is coming. He's coming for Katzberg. He's knocked that lead down from about five seconds to one and three quarters. So, And he has the pace. So I wouldn't necessarily say this is a nailed on podium yet. I got a podium set up. I think that uh, Van Gisbergen could still take this overall second place. What a week for Van Gisbergen, having raced alongside Max Verstappen and raced Max Verstappen in the Supercars uh, series a couple of nights ago in his uh, Red Bull Holden Commodore, now fighting at the very front of an IMSA race. Just amazing. Again, something you just could not do in the real world. So that is, well, I mean, just extraordinary. <laughs> Spengler, who got caught up with the back markers, what, a couple of three laps before Nick, and now, all of a sudden, gets it yeah. back and has a four-second lead back to Katzberg. Katzberg's only got, a, what, a couple of seconds. Uh, Shane van Gisbergen, he has, uh, he's got target acquired, Nick. We've seen this before from SVG. Oh, yeah, big, to, big slide coming <laughs> out of six. He had to get past one back marker, and now he can absolutely go after... Uh, uh, Katzberg, called Spengler, we thought was unlucky being caught up in back markers, but he was just checked. Whereas, unfortunately, poor old Philippe picked up massive damage as well, and that's run him down to eighth place after a quick stop. So, you know, lucky, unlucky is all relative, but Spengler leads, Katzberg second, but absolutely target acquired for Van Gisbergen now. Down to the last 11 minutes of the race. Michelin post-race tech interviews to come. My goodness, we've got some stories uh, on this one, and don't forget that news from John Doonan, president of IMSA, earlier on, telling us all about the rest of the season. Michelin getting on board with the championship as well. Here is the closest battle on the track, going across the start-finish line right now under the Coca-Cola Bridge. And it is for Merkel Bortolotti, still a bit of a rear-guard action in fourth position. And Guven, the Turk, right there in the best of the Porsches. Yeah, Bortolotti's last lap was a 21.6, so it's a really slow, two seconds slower than the guys ahead of him, and that's allowed Guven to catch back up. I'm actually surprised that Guven hasn't disposed of Bortolotti. The experience that Guven has in a Porsche on iRacing is, is second to none, really, and it, it should be easy pickings for him, but Bortolotti's been heavy with his defence. Now, now, missing from this picture was Kenton Cook, who was following them up before. He's actually gone for a second stop, guys, down the 17th. I think he realised, as many have, that the tyres are running out. He must be slightly harder on his, and so he stopped for a, set, for a second set. So there are people really struggling now to get the rubber to last the final 10 minutes or so. Well, I mean, if, if lap times go out by three or four seconds, uh, this could be a very interesting run to the flag. People spinning off all over the place now. And it's not just, of course, the fact that the tyres have worked really hard. It's also the fact that more and more dirt and debris and sand, it's very light sand at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca. And if you do go off, it does get dragged back on to the track. And that is going to cause issues. You lose grip, 
the car slides around and as the car sliding around far from it not wearing the tires it wears the tires more actually if a car is sticking and not moving around that means it's not using his tires if it's scrubbing across and the rubber is getting moved off the tread of the tires off the face of the tire and that means that you are wearing away the usable surface of rubber now Shane van Gisbergen all of a sudden has a much bigger BMW of Nicky Katzberg ahead of him, Nick Damon, than he did two or three laps ago. This looks kind of inevitable now that uh, Van Gisbergen is going to get onto the back and pass Katzberg, who's just dropped a s over half a second to the leader. Is, it, is there enough time for Van Gisbergen to get back to the leader, Nick? Not to the leader, I don't think so. But I do think that the point about it is Katzberg... If Van Gisbergen is going to make a clean pass, he's going to need to do it from here, I think, driving off this uh, final corner and down the main straight because what he definitely now has a tyre advantage. 1.1 seconds of previous lap this time. And that person we got on the inside right now. He's going to come into the Andretti hairpin. He's going to take him and Van Gisbergen makes it look very easy in the end. That's a big tyre advantage that car's got. No fight from Nicky Katzberg there, Ben. He knew the goose was cooked and let Van Gisbergen go. No point in fighting at that stage. He's looking for third position and another podium. Now, remember this. Write this down. You might have to write it down in pencil and be rubbing it out. 5.3 seconds, the gap between Van Gisbergen and Spengler. And despite having to make that pass, Spengler lost out to Van Gisbergen. So SVG was quicker by three-tenths of a second. This is not over, Ben Constanturis. Van Gisbergen's last lap time in 19.4. Uh, Spengler in 19.7 and Katzberg was in the 20s. Katzberg, as you say, really, really struggling at the end, as many are. Guven and uh, Bortolotti also in similar kind of pace. But Van Gisbergen has been saving those tyres. Yeah. Maybe, did he... Did, I mean, he had a 43-second stop, so within that stop, he could easily have changed tyres. Yeah, I think he has. And maybe he's got fresh, fresh rubber now. Yeah, I, I think you've spot on there. Richard Westbrook also going very well at the moment. He's in seventh. Robbie Foley, by the way, back up to sixth for Turner Motorsport. But a 19-8 last time around for Westbrook. He's pushing on. Uh, Philippe Eng fighting back in that number 26 car after that huge shunt while he was leading. That car is in the 19s as well. We've only got six and a half minutes to go, but this could get very tasty very quickly indeed. It's the Motul IMSA iRacing Pro Invitational. Ninth and tenth, Alessandro Balzan. See the best of the Ferraris? Yes, he is. And he's got Daniel Morad in the Ford GT right up his tailpipes. This is a fantastic finish. And this is where the strategy, Nick Damon, is played out. Our Porsche keys to the race, we said, and the tyres. And we it's often been said here, but you know it. You've driven in iRacing and you know it. If you start to lose grip, just keeping the car on the track at this stage, even if you were on your own, gets to be difficult enough. Trying to defend a position is almost impossible. Yeah, and it's, it's a whammy. If you, if you lose the front tyres, which, which often does happen, you have a particularly heavy wear on the front uh, right, it, it, that just the understeer is killing because you have to wait so long to turn. But it does appear that most people are having more issues at the rear. So there's obviously a rear-sensitive yeah. track on the iRacing tyre model. 
but it is it is it's nightmarish when it happens i've done a couple of long runs for, for a race we're doing next week but uh it's it's really difficult when it starts to go all you can do is, is, is kind of like compensate compensate and just the time just evaporates it's so frustrating but you have to let it happen or you'll fall off the track van gisbergen gap to the leader four and a half seconds bruno sprengler had a couple of cars to pick his way past and now svg has to do the same the weird coloured Ferrari that has been thrown me off. It looks like a McLaren from the back. I'm not sure what it looks, it looks like. A Sintra, for those who have long memories. Or maybe a Harrier from the front. Van Gisbergen tries to go up the inside. He'll not be happy trying to get past that car. This is costing him time. And he is losing time to the leader. He's lost a couple of tenths already. Maybe a little bit more. And I think that is the... Is that the 50... Jeff Siegel. Is it Jeff Siegel? Right, okay. It is Jeff in the Ferrari. And those headlights on the front look stonkingly good. But at the moment, surely he's going to let Van Gies past here. Mm, he's not. But Van Giesbergen, will he get the run down the straight? The BMW very good in a straight line. If, he not, if he's not going to let him through here, uh, Siegel's going into the, the gravel trap at the end of the straight. That's my prediction. Jeff Siegel. Oh, Van Gies down the inside. He's made him work for it, but he's gone through. But look at Van Giesbergen's car, guys. We know the BMW. That cost him round about. I reckon that cost him about half a second to three quarters of a second that lap. He has actually still closed in on the leader, but not by as much as he would have wanted to with just three and a half minutes left. We know the yeah. BMW, guys, is a good platform, but Nick, that, that looks very good indeed from SVG. He yeah, can put that car anywhere he wants. Yeah, but there's no excuse for what Jeff Siegel did then. No, he, no, he, he's getting a flag in the car. He knows the guy's coming to lap him. He knows he's one of the leaders. And that's just just that's just that's rude. And that's unnecessary for a professional <laughs> racing driver to do that. And frankly, it may be a sin, but you still treat your competitors with respect. And yes, it's definitely cost him three quarters of a second, but that car looks brilliant towards the end. Van Gisbergen really has got a setup that's working in the last quarter of an hour. Spengler at 20.1 last time. Ninth and tenth battle we were watching just a few moments ago, and now all of a sudden it's Corey Lewis and Colin Brown, and this is why, because the uh, Fords and Ferrari were battling it out. Remember, it was Balzan in the Ferrari, the 64, the black car, the Hublot-sponsored machine, and the Ford. Oh, oh just completely <laughs> nailed it. Now, was that brake testing by... Uh, Balzan, or was that just over-ambitious dive down the inside that didn't quite come off by the Ford driver? <laughs> Not sure about that well, one. Probably both. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Van Gisbergen is absolutely on it. He needs another lap. That one lap stuck behind Jeff Segel has really cost him heavily. He's down to 3.7 seconds, and he's pulling in on Bruno, Bruno's responding, he's just trying his very best and he's got under 120 again. Ben Constantinuris, I think the laps are going to run out, the time's going to run out before that AVS, the Invasa Sullivan BMW in the Lexus colours of course, gets within striking distance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I... Although Van Gisbergen is one of the fastest men out there at the moment and Spengler is struggling, he's in the 20s, uh, there's not enough time left in this race. I've been uh, following Richard Westbrook's progress. No he's white flag, sorry really Ben. Flying. No white flag this time around. It will be two, two to, go, to go. So that is a little chink of armour, a chink in the armour perhaps as Van Gisbergen has five 
miles, near enough, four and a half miles. Uh, we mentioned Richard Westbrook earlier on. You've been watching him. He's putting, been putting in some cracking times, and he's right on the tail of Robbie Foley now, Ben. Yeah, he's been within two tenths of him and actually right under his rear wing going through the final turn. That could be a change for sixth position by the, uh, the race end if we've still got two laps to go. Yeah, just uh, two, three tenths of a second between those two. But at the front and of the... it's f- happened. It has happened. Westbrook's gone yeah. through. Yeah, agreed. So Robbie Foley, after a horrible opening to the race, as Forty's way back inside the top ten, he was inside the top six. But Westbrook, uh, now the second of the Fords, Bortolotti still somehow, Bortolotti in that triple eight car, the black car, with the light blue wing end plates still holding on to fourth position and Gouven has not been able to get by him and in fact has dropped away a couple of seconds coming down to start the final 2.25 miles here's the leader Spengler must have been cursing his look when he lost the lead with what 11 12 minutes to go as oh Tandy's off Tandy's off at the final corner and he rejoins was that oh, white flag off. Is wow. out. Richard Westbrook is off as well Westbrook is off. So he's given. I think this is just coming down, gentlemen, to the fact that everyone is running out of grip. This has been an exceptionally hard race in terms of concentration. And the leader then, Bruno Spengler, has just gone by the JDC Miller car and puts that in between himself and Van Gisbergen. 2.3 seconds. The gap now as Foley. Foley has, I'm hearing the 96 Turner car has had a problem as well and is dropping down the field. So that that must have been an issue for Robbie Foley. So he's up and down days, gone back to being down again. That'll put Philip Eng, who was leading the race, back up into the top half dozen. Van Gisbergen now just on two seconds. That one lap that he was still... Oh, well, I don't know. He's right there. That's not two seconds now. There's one car between them. It might be just enough. That one lap stuck be- behind the Ferrari of Jeff Segel is going to cost Van Gisbergen at least a shot of an overtake. As to the line, it's another win. Two races, two victories for Bruno Spengler. BMW are victorious. Van Gisbergen comes through in second after a stunning last quarter of the race. Third place will be Nicky Katzberg. That's another all BMW podium. But instead of the rest of the top ten being filled and shared with Porsche, it's a Ford that comes through next. Mirko Bortolotti, perhaps with some questionable tactics, weaving around uh, in the braking area. But he managed to hold on to, to, to position four. Gouven, the exceptionally talented real world and iRacer, comes through as the best Porsche in the 9.13. Then it's Philip Eng, who looked like he had the race to win for him. Robbie Foley will come through in seventh. Corey Lewis for Paul Miller Racing in the 48 sneaks up into eighth ahead of Richard Westbrook, who was looking on for a top six finish until he spun away that opportunity in the Ford in the top ten made up by Shinya Mashimi in that number 86. Outstanding stuff. We'll take a breath. Coming up next, we'll have the full results and the Michelin Post race techs interviews confirmation of the top 10 well nick damon and <laughs> uh and ben constant juris 
was I being unfair to Shane Van Gisbergen? Uh, uh, was it just that one lap with Robbie Foley, Nick? That uh, with Robbie Foley, excuse me, with uh, with the Ferrari of Jeff Siegel. I think, I mean, it would have made it even more exciting. That was an absolutely brilliant race. I know it ended up with the same winner as Seabree, but it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a sweeping epic in an hour and a half. It was, fa- it was fantastic. Accidents, incident, great driving, interesting tactics. Brilliant. I'm um, genuinely, that was one of the best races I think I've seen of any sort. Ben, when we look back at the Porsche keys to the race that we had uh, earlier on, no damage. Well, that was absolutely right. Constant pace. Yeah, the tyres, the fuel and the competition yellow. First time we've seen that, Ben, absolutely played into it in the second half of the race. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure about the competition yellow. It's not something that we normally have in sports car racing. It's a, a, a stock car thing normally. Sometimes uh, if there's some kind of uh, issues and they're trying to sort something out. I thought it worked very well and it gave us a stunning last third of the race, Ben. Yeah, and some of the incidents that we saw would have probably warranted a proper full course yellow uh, had we been in the real world. So you would have had a safety car period of kind. So if we just exchange that for uh, having a competition caution because it's the only way that iRacing can really implement it, uh, then I think it's completely within the boundaries and, and realistic. Kept the field nice and tight but it didn't allow those guys at the front to preserve enough tire. And I love the fact that the tires fell off the edge of the cliff at the end of the race. I just wish that we'd seen what uh, Harry uh, Tandy could have done. Uh, He finished 25th in the end, but had he not crashed uh, on new tires in the second race, that would have been an inspired call. Yeah. Nick Tandy uh, for Porsche finishing in 25th position, just ahead of his teammate, Lars Kern. Uh, who was running for Faf Racing here. A couple of off-track incidents, not as experienced. Uh, but Tandy won the top half of the race, and he just squeaks into that just about. I think we'll uh, give him that. Townsend Pell, the race he'll want to forget, gets the, the Mark Allen Award for being involved in most incidents and uh, being hit by more people and more, more hits than Elvis Presley, I think, this weekend for Townsend Pell. And those down at the bottom half uh, in the last 10 or so all had their issues further down the field, many of them not making the full trip. All right, Michelin post-race tech interviews to come. Stay tuned in Sound and Vision and on RS2. Let's see if we can pick off some of the drivers and answer some of the tactical questions that we have been uh, asking throughout that race stay with us now for michelin post race tech uh, it's still ben nick and me john hindorf in the haggerty global broadcast center as ever we don't have to wait for everybody to do a slowing down lap but as ever everybody's just taking a breather uh, and we're wrangling a few drivers for the interviews just waiting for them to be uh, rounded up Uh, let's uh, before we get the drivers, uh, let's go to IMSA president John John Doonan. Uh, I'm hearing that we'll uh, John will will happily uh, forego speaking to the drivers to to speak to you. Uh, lovely positioning of the WeatherTech Laguna Seca uh, circuit just over your left shoulder, spotted by a number of fans. Well, mate, what did you what do you reckon to that? That wasn't too bad, was it? 
unbelievable race. And you know what grabs me is the fact that the circuit acted just like it does typically. You know, we, we all know that it's a low-grip circuit. Uh, you see the sand that, that was thrown up on a few occasions with people dropping wheels off. But what a great show. And to see uh, the boys battle it out right there to the end, uh, obviously – Mr. Spangler's two for two, but uh, amazing to see a bunch of the Fords up there. AJ was was running well. Uh, Sebi Prio, uh, young talent coming up in the Multimatic Ford. Uh, obviously, the Haggerty Porsche was was awesome to see. What a great paint scheme uh, on Pat Long's car. And uh, man, I can't wait for two weeks from now. <laughs> it just gets you going. John, I've got, to, I've got to put the question that's been asked to us here on IMSA Radio. Competition caution, not something that we typically see in IMSA competition. It worked really well there in the iRacing version. Are you going to be looking at that for the real world when we get back racing? <laughs> well, what, what intrigued me the most was uh, Mr. Braun and uh, Senior Braun, uh, Colin and Jeff, uh, called us in advance of the race and we're talking about strategies and things like that. And sure enough, you called it. And I thought, boy, they're putting themselves in a position. Mm. And I think uh, darn near close to a top 10 there, 11th or 12th for Colin. And, um, but, but it's exciting. And I think um, based on the number of folks that have tuned in and embraced this, um, the number of our partners that have gotten behind it, like Motul and certainly WeatherTech Raceway is one we wanted to feature and, our friends at Michelin uh, coming up here in a, in a few weeks. Uh, it really creates excitement for the fans, and um, you know, realistic there. You got to make those decisions uh, whether to stay out or or come to pit road. John, thank you very much indeed. I know it's been a, a lot of hard work by everyone who's spread to the four winds at the moment at IMSA, not all working out at one Daytona. John himself is uh, what we're calling IMSA North at the moment, back up at the, the family home uh, in Chicago. John Doonan, president of IMSA, thank you very much indeed. Drew in the team in Boston, Massachusetts. Brilliant stuff again with the... TV cut and I and I say that with uh, with due respect to the work that you guys have done. I thanked my co-commentators Ben Constantius and Nick Damon. It's been a brilliant hour and a half of action and entertainment. Couple of weeks time we'll be back doing it again, all live in sound, vision, and with live timing and scoring as well. IMSA Radio, IMSA TV for the IMSA iRacing Pro Series. I'm John Hindoff. Thank you for joining us this Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and don't forget. Stay Stay home and stay safe. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.